0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, manifestation, mindset, and entrepreneurship. Today's podcast is all about travel. It's the episode that I have been sitting on because I have been waiting to just digest everything. It is my Australia recap. So, If you're a first-time listener, I spent a year in Australia. I just left in August and so I'm now going to do a whole deep dive recap from everything from pre-Australia, during Australia, why I left Australia, and give you all the 411, like the places to go, the food, the people, the culture, everything. So the way I wanted to outline this podcast was actually month by month, because it's a lot easier for me to remember how I did everything. But I also want to address my mindset during these times. So because this podcast focuses so much on mindset manifestation, it's important that I give you insights into where my mindset was each month, because that's what I think really changed in Australia was my mindset. So it's easier to do that going Month by month, so you can see my surroundings, who I was hanging out with, what I was doing, what kind of investments I was making, because you'll start to see a parallel in when I started to shift versus when I wasn't shifting. So, we're going to break it down, and I'm getting like all the details. I spent like an hour prepping and outlining this, so I don't know how long this is going to be, so just stay tuned for that. But I also wanted to let you all know a little bit more about what's going on with work. So, if you've seen my stories, I have been a bit all over the place, at least in my eyes, of what I want to offer. And that's because as I'm sitting here in quarantine and like really, really looking inward of what I want to do, I'm just like, there's certain things that I'm not giving attention to. And there's other things that I am giving attention to that I don't really want to give attention to. And I'm just like, I feel like I inundated myself with courses and learning and books and podcasts and coaches and mentors that I almost started to lose sight of my intuition and just doing everything that everybody was saying to do. And now I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to take a step back and reflect. So all these courses and, and things going on that I was taking, I need to actually take a moment to digest them. So I made a promise to myself to not do any more group courses until I'm finished with the ones I'm in and then implement what I've learned. Like some of them, I didn't even get to watch the replays. So I have to go back and do that, but also with my own work, really focusing on restructuring my offers. So right now I'm in a space where I need to look at what works best for me and my leadership style and my vision and and what I want to do. And so that obviously is going to take some reflection time. So I'm really going to take the next few weeks off and go inward and just reconnect with like my why and my bigger vision and not just do things just because someone said to do them or it's going to make me a lot of money or I'm going to it's going to be a quick fix. Like I'm just not in business for that. And this business needs to work for me. And right now it's not. So if you're someone that's like, well, what's going on? What is she doing? Like, what's she launching next? And maybe you do know, maybe I'm overthinking this, but right now, the one thing that's definitely launching is mindset bootcamp. So that's coming out January 11th. And this is the foundations of mindset. So what I realized is my last course, which was awesome. It was six weeks. We learned so much. The ladies were amazing. Like they were such powerhouses of women a lot of the feedback I got was that it was a lot of information. They were like, whoa, this is a lot to digest at once. And then I had guest experts coming in and we did bonus trainings in between. And I feel like I really fire hosed them with information. And I was like, wait, 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 I need to go back to the basics. Like, Let's talk about what journaling even is and why it's important and the different ways to do it. Let's talk about meditation and why it's actually not boring and also different ways to do it. Let's talk about different ways to embody the future you because those are the foundations and I feel like I kind of skipped through that in my course originally from this fall and now I'm like, okay, we're just going to go back to the basics. So that's what mindset bootcamp is. So if you're someone that's like, well, I want to get started with my mindset, but I don't know where to start, or you hear everybody online being like, oh, just do the work. All you got to do is do the work. And you're like, well, what is the work? Then this course is exactly for you. Like, this is the work that I did. This is what got me out of rock bottom. These are the practices I still do today to get me out of rock bottom. So it's really a mix of multiple tools and modalities and ways to shift your mindset. So if you're interested, DM me and we will get you enrolled. Again, it starts January 11th and it's going to be four weeks long. And the way it's going to work is I'm going to drip feed modules. So I'm just going to release one module a week and then we'll have a Q&A call at the end of the week about that module. I feel like this learning style for me is also better because then you can watch and rewatch these short videos over and over and then come with questions to the calls. So let me know if you guys like that format too. I just took a course like that and I really enjoyed it. So I feel like that's how I'm going to reformat Mindset Bootcamp. And then I I will relaunch Chaos to Confidence, but I'm going to make it longer because again, six weeks was just way too short of amount of time for how much I covered. So I actually am going to turn it into a three-month program and the waitlist is open for that. By the way, my website is live. Don't know if I told anybody that on the podcast. So yeah, com is live. Go check it out. Go check out my amazing designer who did it, Marley. She's also one of my BFFs. You guys have heard her on the podcast before. She did she designed my website and a beautiful woman named Brooke Gorin did my branding. So the logo and the colors and the font was by Brooke and then the website design was by Marley and I'm obsessed with it. So if you want to get in touch with me, if you have questions, if you want to book anything, head over there. And yeah, I just wanted to give you guys some insight into like what's going down the rest of 2020 before 2021 kicks off. Okay. So let's just dive into this Australia recap. Let's start with pre-Australia. I decided to go to Australia because I really wanted to move abroad. I was dying to move abroad. I had done study abroad in Spain and I really wanted to go to England at first. England was actually really hard to get into. And guys, I was like, 150% 150% all in on England like applying to jobs there, asking my company to transfer me there, asking anybody who lived there like how I could get over there and what different visa types. Like I was going to lunch in Chicago with the UK like government officials that are trying to help immigrants go over there. I was literally doing that. Like this is how serious I was. I was looking at lawyers to help me with visas. And I just kept failing, like on getting in. I would do job interviews, and they would go all the way to the last round, and then someone would just be like, "No, sorry, we don't have spots for you." And basically, it just wasn't working out. And I didn't want to move anywhere where I didn't speak the language because then I knew it would be hard adjustment. So my one friend who lived in Australia was like, "You should really look into Australia. Like, it's English speaking, it's the beach, it's sunny." And at first I was so resistant. I was like, why on earth would I move to Australia? It is so far away. I don't know anybody. In my mind, I thought Australia was like the outback because that's what we're taught, right? Like literally we have the outback restaurant in America. I'm from Florida. Food chains are like the biggest things we have. And so I was just thinking Australia is like the outback and some beaches and a great barrier reef. And for some reason it just didn't interest me. And I was really, again, resistant. Finally, after so many failed run-ins, I don't know what to call them, failures in trying to get the visa in England, I was like, okay, let me look into Australia a bit more. And then I would just Google like Sydney and Bondi Beach and the Great Barrier Reef. And I was like, yeah, it's actually gorgeous. Like, why would I not look at it? So I started looking into it and they have a visa called the Working Holiday Visa Now, this is 100% the easiest visa to get because it is literally made for you to work and travel. That's why it's called the working holiday visa. They want to get people to come over there and experience their culture and their entire country. So they made this whole visa for backpackers. So it's so easy. You literally just go online to the Australian government website and apply. And here's the thing. There's actually two types of working holiday visas. I was on the 462 because I'm American, but there's another subclass. I think it's the 417. And the reason why there's an importance here or like a distinction is because based on your visa, if you want to stay for a second year, you have to do a certain type of work. Now, if you listen to the podcast, which I've talked about this multiple times. You have to do farm work. And this was recently a podcast with Effia Salter, who's over there now. She did her farm work. Um, Some of my clients have done their farm work, but they are not American. So Americans, and there's other countries that are on the 4621, the one that I was on, where you don't have to do farm work. You can do hospitality or tourism. So that's an important thing to remember because that's going to come up later in the podcast. But if you're American and you want to go to Australia, the easiest visa is working holiday 462. So I started looking into that and I was like, this is cheap. It's easy. There's it's almost like a guaranteed visa. The only reason they would probably say no is if you had like a criminal background or something. And so I applied for that. Oh, I finally decided like, you know what, just let's go to Australia. So I applied for that, I think in August, 2018. Wow. It's so crazy to say that. Cause now it's 2021 almost, but yeah, I applied for it in August, 2018. I'm not kidding. You guys, I got approved within like 30 seconds. I thought there was a glitch in the system because I hit apply and then I got the confirmation email and then I'm not joking. Like two seconds later, it's like, granted you're approved. I was like, holy shit and if you're an american traveling abroad is already such a big deal for us so to get this approval letter was like oh my god like this is real like i have an australian visa and i was so excited so i was like we're doing this and i need to prepare an exit plan at work i am gonna like go all in and just quit my job and go to australia obviously i needed to save money so i'm a very very impulsive person with my decisions I'm starting to learn a lot about human design and reflectors apparently are supposed to wait a whole lunar cycle to uh, make decisions. A whole lunar cycle is 28 days. I make decisions within like two hours and it's like something I need to work on because I'm not someone that like sleeps on it or anything. I'm like, oh, sounds good. Listen to my gut. Listen to my head. Check, check. Okay, we're in. So that's kind of how Australia was. I was like, all right, good enough. Let's go. And that's how quickly I made the decision. So my same impulsiveness was like, all right, time to book the flight and go to Australia, like in two weeks or two months. And people were like, wait, what? Like, why would you leave that soon? Don't you need to save money? Don't you need to figure out where you're living? So I had decided I had gotten the visa in August and my plan was to leave in December. Some background, I was working in corporate America. And so I, um, I was in sales and I wasn't really doing well at this time. So the reason for leaving in December was like, well, it's the end of the year. They're going to start fresh in a new year. I'm not really doing that well. So it's not like they're going to be upset that I'm leaving. And that's how it is. Now, my friend's wedding was coming up in February 2019. And I think I had another wedding coming up. And so I talked to those friends and they were actually like, you know what? I I would actually be really disappointed if you weren't at my wedding. And I was like, you know what? I'll stay because then I can save more money. I can go to the wedding. I'll, you know, whatever. Those are That's a good plan. So I ended up pushing my flight out until like the end of February. Now, here's where things started turning around. I started onboarding huge clients at work, like Fortune 100 companies that were paying me six-figure contracts. And I was making huge commission sales. So I was like, well, now I don't want to leave. I want to collect all this commission so I can go to Australia with more money. So I ended up pushing my flight back again to like March or April, maybe. And then I signed another huge deal. And you know, when money is coming in, you're like, why would I leave it? Like, this is money I can have for Australia. By the way, you actually don't even need to activate your visa for a year. So that's why when I got in in August, I had until the next year in August to go there. And then it would start for a whole year. So I kept pushing my flight back. I think I moved it like three times. And then finally, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to keep pushing it back, then why not push it back until basically right before the deadline is to activate the visa? So I pushed it back right until the end of my timeline, and I left in August 2019. So saving money, I think I saved... In Australian dollars, like ten thousand dollars. So in American dollars, that's like six or seven thousand dollars. I could have saved way more, but I had ended up going on a Euro trip with my girlfriends. I was making a lot of money, so I was just like spending it on myself and getting myself new things for Australia. And like I said, I definitely could have saved more. But when it converted, the conversion was crazy to me. Um, the Australian dollar is. Weaker than the American dollar. I don't. I always say that wrong. I think, but yes, like the, Austra- the U.S. dollar is worth more. So saving, I went with about ten thousand Australian dollars, and you actually need five thousand Australian dollars in your account to prove that you can handle living there. Now, this is like kind of arbitrary because it's it's totally dependent on like how you live, right? Like you could live in a hostel and live so cheaply, or you could go live in an apartment by the beach, like. And obviously it'd be more expensive. So they say the $5,000, but that's just to prove you can live there. Um, but that's all relative, right? So I would say it would be nice to go with $5,000 if I was going to make that recommendation, because then you don't have to worry. Like you can go travel, you can stay in hostels, you can stay in Airbnbs. So you don't have to worry. So I really liked having the security of getting there and not having to immediately find a job and run around. So I would definitely try to go with as much savings as possible because it's so easy to make friends there too. And they'll ask you like, Hey, do you want to go run on a trip? And it's like, yeah, sure. I have the money. Why not? So definitely go with a chunk of money so you can travel and not run to get a visa. So how did I prep for this? I talked to all my American friends over there. Funny enough, like three girls from my hometown and college lived there in Sydney. And so I talked to them about everything. Like what's it like apartment hunting? How do you adjust? How do you make friends? Like just constantly DMing them and messaging them. I joined Facebook groups like expats in Sydney and backpackers in Sydney and anything I could. And I was just constantly reading everything I could get my hands on, reading every site and blog, any YouTube video, like any piece of content I could consume. So it it kind of eased the anxiety because I had prepared myself so much with this knowledge that I didn't feel like I was just landing on Mars and trying to figure it out. I was like, oh yeah, I've read about this before. I remember reading this on a blog. I remember listening to that person that was my friend that told me this. So I like to do that when I have a big change coming up is like familiarize myself with the surroundings and just the culture and the people as much as I can online. And then it helps when you get there. So the reason I picked Sydney was honestly because it was where my friends were and it's just such a popular name. You know what I mean? It's where the opera house is. It's where finding Nemo was based. Of course, that's every American's reference point. And my friends kept telling me Bondi beach is where all the backpackers are. So also, yes, it's Bondi, not Bondi. That's something I had to learn when I got there. So Bondi was where I knew I could find a lot of friends. So that's why I picked those places. And then I just knew I could bop around when I got there. So I land in Sydney. I get I finally get there. And I stayed with a friend for the first month because I also impulsively decided to do my yoga certification in Bali, which was in September. So I was like, well, it doesn't make sense to get an apartment for August and then move for a month for September and come back. And it, like, it just didn't make any sense. So my friend was like, yeah, stay with me. So in August, I stayed with her in a place called Drumoyne and I stayed in her guest room and it was really nice because I, she was working a lot. So I had to explore, which was a good thing. Like every day I would just get up, get dressed and go to like a whole different part of town. Sydney's massive, by the way, to me, it's like New York city. Like there are so many places you can go. So I would get up and like, go take the ferry across the ocean and go to another part of town, go to a cafe, walk around, like go to a yoga studio. Oh, I had class pass. This is a big thing. I just forgot about class pass where you can bop around studios. So this is actually a really fun way to get to see Australia because I would book classes at different parts of the city and then see what the places were like. So I could also see neighborhoods I wanted to live in. And that was really fun to do. So that's what I did in August let me pull up my notes here because I know there's more. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I was on full on explore mode and I also was, um, what else was I doing? I was trying to make friends But it was hard because my friend lived in a part of town that was like more suburban, like there's not really backpackers there. So when I was all the way over there, it was hard to make friends. But I did have a few friends from Yacht Week when I went in 2018 that were like, we'll take you out, we'll go out. So I started going out with them and I started partying a lot. So my days were exploring and my nights were like meeting up with them to go party. So my mindset at this point was like, have fun, explore, you have the money to do it, like don't even worry about money, like eat out, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't think I did groceries for like a whole month. And I was just enjoying the fruits of my labor from that year. So that's what I was like all in was having fun and exploring. Also, my expectation of Bondi was that it was going to be surfers, like cool surf shops, very health and wellness focused, like acai bowls, juice bars, And the reality of Bondi is that there definitely is surfers. There's definitely a health health and wellness vibe. Like everybody is walking and running and swimming, but it's also very touristy. Like the strip on Bondi Beach is burger joints, McDonald's, like Tommy Bahama shopping, kebab stands. And it almost feels like something you would see on like a pier. I I I don't know why I even say this, but it's something that reminds me of a pier versus more of like an iconic beach. Because even when you hear the words Bondi Beach, it's like, yeah, iconic Australia. And when I got there, I was like, wait, this is so small and it's very touristy. And I don't think it's that great. Like to be quite honest, I think Bondi beach is a little overrated, but the coastal walk is gorgeous. Like the beach is great, but I think there's way better beaches in Australia. However, I will say Bondi is a really, really easy place to meet backpackers. It's literally like backpacker central. I rarely meet any local Australians that live in Bondi. So that's just like a quick note on when I got to Bondi too, because my friend took me there because I wanted to live there. And when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is a little bit different. Um, Some things that I noticed off the bat, there are no dryers. And I remember a friend told me that and I was like, okay, she probably just lives in a weird part of town. She doesn't get a dryer And then my other friend was like, no, like dryers and drying machines are like not a thing here. So yeah, no dryers were happening. They have totally different outlets than the UK or Europe or America. So I had to get like all new converters. Everybody is very laid back. There were a lot of backpackers in Bondi and there's a lot of British people in Bondi beach, which was very surprising to me. I went to Australia thinking I was going to meet Liam Hemsworth clones. And then everybody, I'm not kidding. Like 99% of the people I met in Bondi beach were British people. So yeah, August was just exploring and having fun and spending my money and chilling. So September comes along and then I have my training in Bali. And my reason to do this training in Bali was like, when I quit my job, I was kind of just like, fuck it. We're going to like eat, pray, love. You know, if I saved all this money and I'm on this side of the world, like why not have as many experiences as I can? And I really loved yoga. And the intention was not to like go be a full-time lucrative yoga teacher. It was more just to learn about the the behind the scenes of it because I really enjoyed it so much. And it helped so much with my mental health that I was like, why not? It would be fun to just go for a, a month and and do it. So, I get to Bali and the training was in Ubud. And let me tell you all, this was the kickstart of my healing journey and an emotional roller coaster. Ubud is exactly like you would see in the movie You Pray Love. It is so energy healing. Everything feels like ancient and traditional and just like very healing, like I said. Everything is vegan and raw and traditional. Like, in America I'm from Florida y'all like this we're eating like Subway Chipotle and Chick-fil-A so to go to Bali where you turn the corner and like every single restaurant is vegan or raw I was like I don't understand where to eat like I don't get it and I was very very concerned about like how I actually was excited because I was like ooh I'll, I'll lose weight and be so strong and like be skinny and that, it was very very vanity focused But yoga training, they catered the food there and it was all vegan. Yoga training was so intense. It was six days on and one day off a week. And the one day off was a Wednesday, which was like so random. And the vegan food there was good. But I was like, there were just some things that I was not capable of eating. Like I don't like peanut sauce. I don't like certain vegetables. And they were just serving things over and over again. So I started sneaking in chocolate bars when I had my day off. I'm like laughing, looking at my notes. I literally went to the like little quick mart down the street and I would buy like a ton of chocolate bars because they also remember we're in Bali. By the way, Bali is a third world country. So it's not like you're just like going around the corner and can grab Burger King or McDonald's or Chipotle. Like the quick mart is the fast food. So I would sneak in chocolate bars or like potato chips or something that was not vegan because I love some of the vegan food, but some of it I just could not do the training itself was definitely to me more emotional than physical. Of course it's physical. Like we were doing yoga in the morning and then meditating and then doing it in the afternoon and meditating. But it was so emotional because you literally are sitting there in silence for so long. For example, in the morning we meditated and did breathing exercises, I think for like an hour. Then we did full on yoga for two hours. We would sit there all day and learn about yoga, like philosophies, history, anatomy, everything. And then we would do something at night that was yoga or meditation related. So imagine doing this six days a week, being like very disconnected to the outside world. We had our phones and stuff, but obviously you don't bring your phone into the studio or what we call the Shala. So my phone was in my room all day. So it started to become emotional because I was truly unplugging from my whole corporate American life. It actually was where I had this big realization how much my Apple Watch controlled my health. Like, I was so obsessed with my Apple Watch. I'm going to do a whole podcast on my health journey. But I just remember thinking during my yoga training, this feels so weird to be in this gorgeous traditional Bali shala. Like, we're literally looking at rice fields, it's sunny, the place is gorgeous. And I'm wearing my Apple watch, like what the fuck it's going to ding and go off and close my rings and it just felt weird. So I put it away. And like I said, it was almost this symbolic energetic commitment of like, I'm unplugging and really getting to know my body and mind here. And again, when you have to meditate and do yoga every day you are obviously going to see parts of yourself that you had no idea existed. So it was getting really intense. Like the first week was so fun. The second week at some point, you're just like, oh my gosh, how much is there to learn? Especially like the philosophy part and the history part. You're just sitting there taking notes. I was like, this is really energetically draining. And I have to do this for like three more weeks on top of the food that I don't really like. And then that was creating some friction. And then I didn't, um, I also just had a lot of ideas and ways and opinions about like how things should have been run, which was my corporate American side kicking in like, oh, they should have had a more formal sign in system and they should have done this. And why is everything so laid back and loose here? And everybody is like, we're in Bali. It's island time and you're at yoga training. So I just started to see how much my corporate American hat was still being worn and how much I wanted to take it off. But it was like so connected to me. So this was a really big healing moment. Um, One of the biggest moments here was this sharing circle we did. And what you do is you just go around the room in a circle and you just share something that like whatever you want to, like a celebration, something that's on your heart, something that you realize. And I got the, like, it got to me and I just broke down crying. And it was like parts of me that I had been hiding or that I felt were being cracked open at this training. And I like, and I mean, sobbing, not like little tears. I was like, (laughs) couldn't even breathe. And I was like, Whoa, this is a signal to me that there is a lot under the surface that I have never ever discovered that is just starting to lightly come up through yoga training. Like I can't imagine what else is under there. So this also really tested my physical strength and my emotional strength, right? Like I'm doing yoga and here's, there's some people here that are like super yogis doing handstands and headstands, and I'm like barely able to hold a plank. So it started to take a a really big, like not toll. I guess it was a toll on my physical strength, but also my emotional strength of like really dealing with comparison and jealousy feelings and envy of like, why can't I do a handstand? Again, my thoughts going into the training at first were just like, ooh, it'd be fun to learn about yoga. And then they were kind of superficial, like, ooh, I'll get skinny and I'll do handstands and I'm going to lay out and get tan. And then I'm telling you, like day two, I was like, oh, no, 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 this is about to be a fucking roller coaster ride through my own emotions. And so towards the end, I just started to notice the shift within myself. Like th- something I'm really grateful for were the people there. There's two people, particularly a shout out to Brittany and David, who were just very honest with me and like gently and lovingly would call me out on my bullshit. Like, for example, when I was going all in on this yoga training, like thinking they needed more formal processes, my friend Brittany was just like, Chelsea, we're in Bali at a yoga training on an island. Like, that's just not how they operate. Like they're just chilling, relaxed, laid back. And I was like, no, they need this is training. They need to be more formal. And she was just like, you need to chill. And then this guy, David, was calling me out on my ego. And he's like, I think your ego is just talking and like, maybe you need to look at that a bit more. And I'm like, wow, I've never actually had someone tell me that. So imagine going to this training where you're meditating and doing yoga and learning all day. And then you have people that are around you supporting you, sharing their deepest, darkest fears and telling you, like calling you out, like it's almost inevitable that something's going to shift. Right. So definitely felt a major shift. And towards the end, I started to feel extremely accomplished and I was set then at the end, I'm becoming an instructor in Bondi Beach because I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this. I'm ready to teach like you do practice teaching the whole time. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a yoga teacher in Bondi Beach. So what's interesting, too, is after all this healing and energy work and like eating differently and just be like truly shifting into a new person. The very last weekend, we went to a place called Canggu. And Chengdu is like the party spot, like this is where people go to party to hook up to work and like all the digital nomads go to Chengdu. And so it was so interesting. We just had this whole like healing journey. And then we got to Chenggu and it was like my party hat went back on. I was like at a beach party, I was hooking up with guys, I got three tattoos, there was like still this wild child inside of me that was like ready to let loose in Canggu. So my mindset here was I was really starting to awaken and uncover some of those deeply rooted beliefs about my life and myself that I knew more healing was needed to be done because of all these things that were coming up. So let's move on from yoga training. Let's move to October. October, I get back to Bondi and I start realizing that my savings are dwindling and I need a job and a flat ASAP. I was like, okay, like party time vacation is over. You need to get your ass in gear or you're going to be like living in some shitty hostel with 16 people in a room. And that wouldn't be a problem if I was younger, but I I was 28 when I went over there. So I was like, I don't really want to live in a 16 person bedroom hostel. So I ended up um, finding a flat on the beach through a Facebook group. And here's something that's so interesting. It's so different getting a flat in Bondi beach than it is in America. There is no lease, there's no paperwork or anything. You can find it on Facebook marketplace. And all you do is send a deposit, move in, and it's the same exact thing to move out. You just find someone to replace you and they send you the deposit and then they deal with it after. So people are moving in and out, in and out, all the time of these apartments. It's like the craziest thing. I couldn't comprehend it. I'm like, where do I sign? Where's the landlord? Like, can I do a walkthrough? What about moving out? Do I have to give notice? And it was like, nope, come check it out. Like literally messaging people on Facebook marketplace, just checking out the apartment. And if I liked it, send them money on the bank app and then move in. So because of this, because it's so easy to move in and out, Like I said, people come in and out of the apartment all the time. So I was only in my apartment for like three weeks. And I think I already had had like two roommates or like two new people in the room or in the house. So it was just so weird because, you know, in America, you like move in with a friend or a boyfriend and then that's it. You're like set and you live with them for a year. This was like living with multiple people, very short term, very in and out. It was like a concept I couldn't comprehend. So I was actually the oldest one in the flat and I shared a room with a girl from the UK and actually everybody was from the UK. Now they all did their farm work together. So remember in order to get a second year visa, if you're not on the visa I was on, you do farm work. So these people all lived together on the farm and then they moved to Bondi together. So they were this tight knit group. And I actually found myself having a very hard time adjusting, even though I feel very sociable and that I can make friends easily. This felt like a group of like truly the show friends, like five BFFs. Some of them had dated. Some of them were just like lifelong friends. And then here I come, this like random older American just in the house. And this house was tiny or this apartment. So yeah, I was having a hard time adjusting and I didn't really have time to think about it, though, because I was like, I need to find a job. Like, I don't really care about making friends. I need a job so I can actually pay the rent here. So I was running around like a mad woman. I printed out my resume, ran all over the place in Bondi Beach, like literally door to door, just handing out my resume everywhere. And I found a job at a gelato spot. So if you saw any of my stories throughout the year, I had to wear the fucking ugliest outfit, like a little gelato hat, this like formal little t-shirt or like this, I don't even know, button up shirt. It was so silly, Um, but it paid well, like definitely better than American minimum wage. It was like 25 Australian dollars an hour. And they needed me to be a manager because I was older and I would start like the next week. So I was like, hell yeah, it pays well. I'll be a manager. I start next week. So I also wanted to work in yoga. Remember at the end of my yoga training, I was like pretty all in on yoga teaching. So my friend had sent me this person that was teaching free yoga at Bronte beach, which is the beach right next to Bondi. And she's like, you should teach there and practice. I was like, hell yeah. So I started teaching for free at Bronte beach. And it was really nice for me because it was a gorgeous setting. Like I think Bronte is absolutely gorgeous and people i was it was a way to meet people and i was getting my teaching skills in and practicing so that i could get like testimonials and a community and people following me and i really was starting to understand how active and truly laid back people were but it also made me realize when i started looking at studio jobs how competitive the wellness and health world was in australia so when i went to bondi beach and i was just walking in the yoga studios By the way, yoga training is not cheap. Like anybody that's thinking about yoga training, I have yet to see like a super cheap one. Mine was like $2,000. And the um, Bondi Beach studios were like, Oh, yeah, you're gonna have to shadow someone for like $1,000. And then you can maybe work here. So I'm like, So it's like an internship that I have to pay for with no guarantee of getting the job and then only making like $40 an hour. No, thank you. So I just started to kind of give up on that dream. But then I was going really all in on teaching on my own, which I'll get to in a second. So I was making my friend, I was making friends with my flatmates and then my friends from yacht week. So remember I had friends from a vacation that lived there and it was really helpful because then they would take me out and introduce me to other friends. So I was like starting to meet more people, getting way more into like teaching yoga and figuring out what I wanted to do. And then working at this gelato spot. So my mindset in October was like, still wanting to have fun, but I was getting a little bit worried about money because I was low on savings. And I still wanted to do some type of healing or wellness work because that's, I had just had so many breakthroughs in, um, Bali also with dating and boys. I was very much in like party mode and like short-term flings and hookups. I was not like in it to meet like some husband of mine, which by the way, people were asking me when I moved to Australia, like, Oh, are you going to find a husband? I'm like, what the fuck question is that? That is so weird. That is a very risky, expensive, and odd way to go, quote unquote, find a husband. I'm pretty sure I could have done that in the States and saved myself a lot of time and headache and energy. So yeah, I did not go to Australia to find a husband. In fact, it was the opposite. I was there to like meet anybody and everybody I could. And I was starting to party like harder, which was funny because I had just left Bali and like realized maybe I wanna stop partying. But then when you're in Bondi Beach, by the way, this is another thing. Their seasons are like backwards from the U S. So their summer is like November, December, January, February. So in October, you can imagine it's starting to get sunny. It's starting to be summertime. My mind was like, Ooh, party brunch, go out clubs. That's where I was like mentally with partying. So I did have that underlying feeling though, that yoga or wellness was going to be part of my future. So November, I tried to get work at a big yoga studio and they ended up hiring me at the, excuse me, at the yoga studio for marketing, but only one day a week. So now I had two jobs where I was doing the gelato job and then I was doing this one day a week marketing job. But here's the catch. This marketing job was an exchange for free classes and paid expenses. So I could get classes at the yoga studio completely free and they would cover all my travel expenses to get to the studio. So I didn't mind this because in my mind, I had just hit the jackpot. I was like, I am working for a yoga studio marketing at one of the largest studios. Like they're all over Australia. And I get to travel to Manly and Manly is a beach that's across the opera house. So you have to commute on a ferry. So I absolutely loved my commute. Like every single time I go, I went, it was sunny. I had to pass the opera house and get on the ferry. I would sit outside and just watch the water. Um, it was amazing. Like I loved that job for like the first few months. Cause it was so much fun. Like it felt like this was my life in Australia that I was meant to do. It was like, working for marketing at a yoga studio and traveling in the sunshine. And then even at the yoga studio, they they were so laid back, like eating outside lunch for two hours, walking on the beach, like leaving early to do yoga. I was like, wow, I fucking love this exchange. Like, this is amazing. And I was starting though to hate how much I was working at the gelato spot because let's remember, I was like getting low on my savings. So I was becoming desperate. So I was working so much. And the gelato spot was not really an easy place to work at. Like, yes, it was in terms of scooping the gelato. But because I was a manager, I always had to like clean up, make sure the employees were cleaning up, do the register, send it to my manager, send a report. Like there was a lot of responsibility. So it just felt really conflicted. Like I was doing this job so much that I hated. And then the one job that I really liked, it was only in exchange for the free classes and the paid expenses. So I was just realizing like this isn't going to be a long term sustainable thing, but it's fun and I like doing it if right now. So that was like my mindset, at least for that time being. Also. Because of how much I hated the gelato job or was starting to hate it, I was starting to party really hard to make up for all the hard work I was doing. Also, again, summer was like right on the horizon. So I was being pretty reckless with like going out. I was making money at the gelato shop and then I was like spending it really quickly. But also, I was being way more active during the day. This is something really big I noticed. Like, I was walking to work, I would walk around on the beach in my free time, laying out. All my lunch breaks I took outside, I would enjoy nature. I would do this amazing thing called the Bondi to Kuji Coastal Walk. It's like an hour long walk along the beach and it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I just started to realize as much as I was partying and like eating gelato at the gelato place, my body was changing and I was naturally then eating better. So that was just a weird reflection that I was like, this is weird. I feel like I'm partying and barely sleeping, but my body is like feeling really strong. And then because of that, then I just wanted to eat healthier. Also at this time in October, November, I started going through some family issues. My grandfather passed away in, um, this time period. And then, um, coming up in December, which I'll tell you about in a second, my dad had a stroke. So I'm going to get to that, but I just wanted to let you know, like things were going on back home because I always get questions about like, how did you deal with, issues back home or staying in touch with friends and family. And I'm going to get to that too. So I'm just going month by month through Australia's like recap that way specifically. Ooh, it's a lot to uncover guys. We're only in November. So yeah, that was the recap in November. Oh, also dating at this point, I was still in like party mode, but then I had met a guy and I really liked him and we kind of started like dating and going on fun dates. And that was, that was what was going on in the dating world. Okay. So December, December now is full on summer in Australia. So I am getting so overworking on weekends. And I was like, I need to find another job because I am missing everything. Like I'm missing the sports games. I'm missing the beach days. I'm missing the parties. I'm missing the birthdays. Like I need a new job. And it was just like impossible to ask for weekends off at the gelato shop because I was a manager. So they were like, no, we need you here. So I was like, fuck this. I'm applying for a corporate job. I applied, I don't even remember doing this, applied for a social media manager job at a music company, like a music, they represented artists and like through festivals. And I remember like three weeks later, they messaged me and we did an interview and I ended up getting it. So I was like, okay, that's crazy, but it was part-time. Here's another weird thing about Australia. I mean, I'm saying weird comparing it to America. A lot of these big, huge companies and teams have a lot of these big companies have really small teams and hire part-time. So the yoga studio that was massive. Okay. Like they had six studios all over Australia. They were so popular, like charge a shit ton of money to go to their memberships, uh, go to the studio, their marketing team, I think really was like one to two full-time people. And then everybody else was like part-time or casual or interns. Like I, at one point was being the marketing manager And I'm like, I only come in one day a week on an exchange basis. How am I the influencer marketing manager? Like that did not compute to me at all. I came from America where like everyone is full time, part time people are part time. And then you have interns, not like one or two full time people. And then that happened again with the social media job at the music agency. They also had me work part time. And I was the social media manager. I'm like, shouldn't I be here every single day? Like, again, coming from the 40 hour plus work week, these things were not computing in my brain. So I now had three jobs. I was doing the yoga job where I was doing the influencer marketing for one day a week, the gelato job, and then the social media job. Now, the gelato job, I was able to scale back and it was easy money. And that's why I kept it because it was like, Such a joke and so easy. And it was really close to my house, like a two minute walk. So I was like, it's like extra money to travel. And I knew I wanted to take a break and travel. So that was why I kept it. But I really started to hate the cleaning and the peppiness and the enthusiasm that's involved. And here's the thing the gelato shop was right across the beach. So I'd be stuck inside with these like fluorescent lights and stupid music and my stupid hat just looking at the beach. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like starting to really regret how much I'm working here. But I was so scared to quit because remember the yoga job was an exchange. So I would only be depending on the music company job. And I was only working three days a week there. So I was like, you kind of have to keep this gelato job and the job market can get kind of competitive in Bondi because everyone is a backpacker and everybody wants work and everybody wants to make a shit ton of money to travel. So to me, I was like, I'm kind of lucky to have this gelato job by the beach because I'm making a ton of money and I don't have to do like Some crazy job I don't want to do. Even though, in my mind, comparing it to America, that's not what I wanted to do. But what I mean is, like, some of my friends were doing furniture removal and construction work and like cleaning work. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. I'm good with the gelato job. So the music place was cool at first. I found it so different from anything I've ever done, like so many different personalities and people. It was a new industry I had never even worked in. Like I had no idea how the music industry operated. They gave me a lot of creative control. Like I was fully running their social media and I started to be like, okay, this job is something that I could ask them to sponsor me instead of going to do my farm work or my hospitality work. So remember I was on a visa where you have to do that work for the second year. I was like, screw that. I can ask this company to sponsor me. They also were throwing festivals and events. And I was like, this is it. Like I'm going to ask them to sponsor me. Now I started to realize so many parallels from the yoga job though, because of the whole part-time thing and not working full-time. This also meant like no real structure. Everybody was so laid back and like didn't have massive teams And I was not used to this. I am coming from a job where I was serving Fortune 100 clients. My company went public on NASDAQ. I was going to New York City and LA to meet with clients. So I'm so used to formal structures, like weekly team meetings, using Google Calendar, using software. And all these companies were like doing things so manually without software, like no team meetings. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I started to think that Australia was like very, um, lazy like Australians I'm like god they're so lazy they don't have any structure they don't do anything they just chill all day and like go back to bed like just go to the beach and everyone's like yeah that's because Australians are here to just live their life like work is just to have money to live not the other way around and that's when it clicked for me of like okay yeah the Australian culture really is like yes work is important but like life is more important so I remember being at my music company job and going on a lunch break with these two girls and it had been an hour. And I was like, all right, don't we got to wrap up and get back to work? And they're like, um, no, like we can, we can eat however long we want. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we're, we have an hour long lunch break. And they're like, they were so confused that they were looking at me like I was an alien. They're like, what are you talking about hour long lunch break? And I'm like, oh my God, they don't even like, Having a, they can just take lunch as long as they want. I had never heard of this concept. Like, I was so used to basically looking at my clock and timing down an hour to get back to the office. And half the time in America, I never used to even do that. I would like grab something, inhale it, and run back or just bring it to the office. And now in Australia, I'm at a job where they like don't care if we take an hour and a half or two hour lunch break. And I remember being scared to go back to the office. I was like, they're going to yell at us. We're going to get in so much trouble. And they're like, Chelsea, we've worked here for years they don't give a shit. Like you're fine. So I just started realizing, okay, these people are cool. Like Australians are really cool about this. And this happened in the yoga job too, where that, where they were like, yeah, you can stop and go do yoga at four. And I was like, okay. And then I have to come back and finish. Right. And they're like, what are you talking about? Finish? Like just pick up next week. And I was like, do you want me to like finish at home and then bring it to next week? And they're like, no, what? Just come back next week and finish it. What are you talking about? And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. Like as an American, I could not comprehend this. So that's what was like the big realization in December was like, Australians are here to list, like live their life, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the beach and like money and titles and climbing up the corporate ladder are not everything. So that's what was going on work wise and dating this guy. I started to realize how hard it was going to be to date somebody abroad because it sounds fun, right? Like, Ooh, different language, different culture, like fun, foreign flings. But the reality is like, we all have plans as travelers. We have different visas, different visa types, whole different visions. So it's very much like you meet someone and then you have to make pretty quick decisions on what your plans are or else it's just going to, expire. So this guy that I had met, his visa was coming to an end. I was wanted to go travel and like go to other parts of Australia. And so it was just this weird, like unsaid thing of like, okay, we're kind of dating, but then we have these like huge decisions to make, but it feels like we're way too casual to be talking about, you know, going on a trip together or doing something like that. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be how dating is here the whole time. Like that kept happening to my friends, too, where they would meet someone and then they're like, oh, yeah, but they left to the other side of Australia or like, yeah, they just moved to Bali. And I'm like, God, this is so weird. In America, like you meet someone and you can figure out a way to see them all the time because they're in your same city and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So that was actually something really hard was dating abroad. I also found the holidays to be like non-existent with Halloween. There was barely any Halloween decor Christmas. I don't remember a single Christmas advertisement, a Christmas song playing decor, like nothing. Um, sports are also really different. So they're very into rugby there. And I found out that my friend group there was really mixed like people from yacht week, which were like my party friends. And I had my flatmates that were younger slash party friends Then I had my American friends. My cousin actually ended up moving to Sydney, which was crazy. And then I actually was weirdly making friends from my podcast because I would podcast about it and people would listen and be like, hey, you know, I live here too. Let's meet up. So I I met a lot of friends from that, which is actually really cool. So what else happened in December? Um, The bushfires were going on. So that was a weird thing to experience because I could actually really smell the smoke in my apartment and I was starting to get worried not only for the safety of myself, but like this year could potentially not go as planned. Like these bushfires are crazy. There was one day where work was canceled because it was so smoky that the trains weren't even going. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, obviously you don't plan this, right? You plan to like go and surf and do all these fun things and meet people. And it's like, Wait, the bushfires are happening. I'm dating someone who's leaving and it's going to be really hard. I'm working three jobs to make ends meet. Like my mindset was kind of like, uh, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. Um, what else happened? I'm trying to think of, De- oh, December's when my dad had his stroke. So yeah, my dad had a stroke and I remember being like, I want to fly home, but I was making so little money. I was like breaking even. I was making enough to like pay rent, gr- get groceries and go out and going out in Sydney is not cheap. But that's like the thing to do. Like you drink and go out in Sydney. My friend even told me this recently. She's like, I find it kind of hard to live in Bondi if you don't drink. So that's just like a hot tip. Um, of course, there's so much to do, like the beach and the health and wellness studios, but the big thing really is drinking. And I was spending a lot of money. So when I was looking at flights home, I was like, Of course, I can put it on a credit card, but it's like two to three thousand dollars. And I was like, who cares? I'm just gonna do it. But my mom was like, you know what, you really don't have to. Like your dad is gonna be fine. Let's save your money. Like we can't really pay for that either because it's just such a huge expense. We'll let you know if it becomes more serious. So I didn't go, but I obviously felt really guilty. And I also missed my grandpa's funeral in Puerto Rico. So now I've had like two major life events happen. And now I'm just remembering one more thing that happened that, um, another family member ended up, um, in the psych ward in Australia. It's like a whole story that I don't even need to tell, but essentially I had to go pick them up. And so basically there were like three really big family dramas and traumas in these months on top of me starting to shift into this mindset of like this year isn't turning into what I thought, like these three jobs. I kind of like one. I don't really like the other, the bushfires, the dating. And I started to feel really frustrated. I was getting really over the partying and I just felt lost. So I, I definitely in December, I remember specifically on Christmas too, going to the beach and I was like, this feels weird. Like I am so used to waking up in my house with like Christmas joy and songs and decorations and family and to be on the beach where like no one was listening to a Christmas song. It was all like just top music. Everybody was wearing Santa hats and getting blacked out. There was like nothing else to do, but everything was closed. So there was only time to drink on the beach. But for some reason, like it sounds really fun, but for me, I didn't find it fun and it could also be because at this point, all my friends were like my party friends. And I, didn't, I was starting to realize I didn't have that many girlfriends. So it felt weird because my guy friends were all these like crazy partiers. But I had just gone through all this healing and, and yoga training that I was like, I need girlfriends to have like girl chats with and go get manicures and like swim together and not be like drinking 24 seven with my guy friends. So the, yeah, that's what was going on in December feeling lost. And like, what the hell is going to happen the rest of the time in Australia? Now, here's where serendipity and synchronicities in the universe start happening. I was still really obsessed with doing yoga, but I decided to teach private yoga. Now, this is also going to be a weird like detour in parallel into investing in myself. I Googled like how to teach private yoga because everybody said private yoga is how you make money because it's like paying a personal trainer. I found this course and I invested, I think, almost like a thousand dollars into it. And this was the first time I had made such a big investment in myself that I was like, holy shit, what am I doing? Like $1,000? But it was a really helpful course. It was like how to teach private yoga. Here's how you get clients. Here's how you build a reputation. Here's how you charge more money. And I also was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, then I need a website and I need a logo and things like that. So I posted in this Facebook group called Freelancing Females that I'm looking for someone to create my yoga brand and website there are 70 comments on it. And someone comments and I was like, check out my friend Marley's website or Marley's work. She's a website designer. I was like, Ooh, yay. Can't wait. Like I'll check it out. And then there were 70 other people that commented. So for some reason, I remember that comment standing out though, because she had said Marley is a speciali- specialist in like health and wellness. So I was like, great, check out her stuff. I ended up chatting with her, but I think I also chatted with like 25 other people. And one thing that I remembered about Marley was that she had said she was moving to Bondi really soon. So I was like, Ooh, that's interesting. Like it was really important to me that someone was in my same time zone so we could just collaborate quicker. And I was like, that's a really big deal. So when I was looking at all the people in my spreadsheet, because remember 70 people commented and then I think I talked to like 25 of them, I ended up narrowing it down to Marley and two other people. Now I ended up working with someone else and it was purely just because this girl offered like a ton of stuff that I didn't even think I like knew I needed. She was like, oh, I can set up your email marketing. I can do this. We can make a social media palette and all these things that I was like, "Ooh, that sounds good. So I went with her. But I always remembered that Marley was moving to Bondi. So right around December when I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I need girlfriends. Like, I don't know anybody. I was like, let me follow that girl Marley and see if she's in Bondi yet. And funny enough, she was there and she was like, yeah, I'm here. I just moved to Kuji. I think that's where she was living at the time. Maybe it was Bondi. I don't know. But she was very close to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, let's meet up. Like, it would be so much fun. Now, this is where I'm trying to think of how to even explain this story because there's like so many things going on in my mind right now. Basically, at this point, I'm feeling lost. My, the guy I was dating, it started to become weird because it was that like pending dark cloud that like, you have to leave. I want to go travel, but neither of us wants to bring it up. And so it was like this very weird ending that I don't feel was resolved, even though we were like dating, like we truly were like going to each other's houses, going on dates. So it was like, we were developing relationship, but then never talked about it. So I was just feeling really confused and then really like almost depressed from all the partying and money I was spending that, I finally, when I reached out to Marley to really hang out with her, I was like, look, I'm actually going through a hard time and I just like need a girlfriend that understands because she's Canadian and moved abroad to chat with. So we ended up meeting and we hit it off like instantaneously. It was actually nuts. We hung out for five hours at a cafe. We talked about everything. She was talking about manifesting astrology, the woo woo stuff podcasts. I was like, what the fuck? This is exactly who I've been needing to talk to. Like it was so crazy too, because this whole thing I told you about in Bali about like energy healing, she was telling me about that. She's like, Oh yeah, I just did a tarot card reading yesterday. Tomorrow I'm going to do this. I have a hypnotherapy session coming up. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is what I need. So Marley and I clicked instantly. We had plans to hang out on new years. Her birthday was in January, like literally the following week. And she's like, I know this is kind of weird, but we're going to Byron Bay if you want to come. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like we just hit it off so well. And I was like, this is what I needed. was like, Girls to travel with that are into the same things I do. And Marley, honestly, like, shout out to her. She really changed the trajectory of my year because she also had her own business. She was like living the life that I wanted to, like being a digital nomad, traveling around. She had just got back from a Euro trip in Bali and now was in Australia and then was into all the woo woo things that I was like trying to get into, but didn't know where to start. So I was like, this is it. Like, this is who I've been needing in my life. So I always say Marley was like the angel that I needed at that time. So shout out to you, Marley. So yeah, January comes along new years. I had to spend at a festival that my company threw. So I was literally in a trailer doing social media that night, but it ended up being really fun. Cause I got to go on stage at the end of the night with girl talk, which if you're from America, you might know who that is. Um, So it was just a weird New Year's because it wasn't like America where I was with my friends and partying. I was working and not with really any of my friends. I got to meet them later in the crowd, but it was just kind of a weird New Year's. And again, going back to the holiday things, it was just weird. I was like, this was a weird Halloween, a weird Christmas, a weird New Year's. Like, I'm not sure about the holidays in Australia. So January comes along, spend New Year's doing in the trailer. And now I'm all in on this private yoga thing. So I invested into the the girl that got me the website and design, which by the way, I love. My Yoga Girl Next Door branding is like some of my favorite branding. And the name Yoga Girl Next Door came from my teacher in Bali. He was like, you were so relatable with your teaching. I feel like you're the Yoga Girl Next Door. I was like, bing, that's my brand name. (laughs) So I ended up just like taking that website and everything. But let's see what happened. Oh, okay. So at this time too, January is now where I'm going all in on yoga. Um, I'm starting to hang out with Marley a lot. And now me and this guy are not dating anymore. And it was really, really tough on me because I had been, just been I had been having so many flings. Like, I'm trying to even describe it. Everything was just so, such quick hookups that when this guy and I were consistently dating, it finally felt like, oh, this really could be something real and like a relationship. And so when it ended so weird, like we didn't really talk about anything and we just kind of stopped talking to each other. And it was this like awkward thing. And then, and then we like ended it on text. and then I saw him out and about and I was like, this is bizarre. So I ended up being like almost like kind of depressed in January because I was like, I don't like my jobs. Dating isn't going well. The holidays aren't going well. I've had three family traumas that I have like barely been able to be home and deal with. I don't like the this partying that I'm doing. I'm not really doing what I want. So January, I was like depressed, but I had met Marley. And Marley really helped me be like, Chelsea, why the fuck are you doing three jobs that you barely like? You have this amazing podcast and you have so many gifts to give people. Like you really need to focus on what you want to do. And Really, that trip to Byron with her was when I started to heal because I started to realize how much fun the rest of the year was going to be. Byron was like my first trip that I did outside of Sydney. Like, people think I was traveling all year long. I'm like, I was doing like little trips here and there, barely. So, Byron was like the first trip I did. And Byron, by the way, I'm going to get to that, was like a whole other planet. Byron to me was what Australia was going to look like, like beaches, juice bars, acai bowls, travelers with like hippie vans. Everybody's in their bathing suit. Like that's Byron. Byron feels like you went back to Woodstock. So I was like, holy shit. I got so excited for the year again. I was like, this is so much fun. I knew I needed to let go of one of the jobs, but I didn't know what to do. And the conversations I was having with Marley were just really helpful. Like they opened up my purpose. They, they really helped me like find clarity. And so then I was like, I'm going to be a podcast coach. Like she was like, yeah, you're good at podcasting. You have like amazing guests, you know what you're doing. And I was, because I had invested in that one course around private yoga And I realized that girl was like a business coach. The whole coaching thing started to come up to me where I was like, I didn't know what that was before until I invested in that course. And then in January, I had invested in this other course called like self-love by Marissa Lace or something. And I remember being like, who are these people? (laughs) Like, who is this girl that's like teaching about self-love? Who is this girl that's teaching like business about yoga? Like, what are they called? And they're called coaches. So I was like, wait, I could be a podcast coach. Like I can create workshops and resources and do all these things and really help people become podcast uh, hosts. So my whole idea was to do this. And again, I'm very impulsive. So I went all in. Like if you go to my um, page right now, my Instagram, I have a graphic up there that's like announcing a podcast host and service company. I remember like changing my email on Instagram or on email to like podcast host and coach. I remember telling everybody, I think I updated my bio. I was like, this is it. So Bali was on the radar because um, Marley was going to be moving there. And she's like, you should really come with me. It would be so fun. And I was like, well, I already went for yoga training. But she's like, we're going to Canggu. It's totally different. Um, I think you should really come. And I was like, mm, I don't know. But I remembered how much healing I did in Bali. And now I was like, well, if Marley's there, this girl that I get along so well with, with these deep conversations, and she's helped me so much with this last month of just chatting with her. Maybe Bali would be good for me. So February is when things started to like really shift around. I started Manifest Money from random places. Like I got a refund check from my college that I worked at in 2012. Like some check from my retirement account I didn't even know I had. Um, My company my gelato company got acquired by someone else. So then I somehow got a higher paycheck and I didn't have to work there as much. I think I ended up telling them like, I can only work a few shifts a week. Like I cannot do these three jobs, but then I ended up getting paid more. And then like money was just coming from random places like Facebook marketplace, by the way, easy way to make money in Facebook marketplace. And I was just like, okay, well, wait, I do have some money to go on this Bali vacation, but I knew, okay, Bali is cheap when you get there, but the flights are not cheap. So I was like, I'm kind of in this catch 22 where I know I want to go and it would be so healing, but I don't really want to pay the money for the flights. Even though I know when I get there, it is so cheap. You guys, it's like unbelievable, like $22 for a whole day at a spa, like $15 for a mani pedi. It's just insane. So I was like, oh, well, I want to go to Bali. So fuck it. So I ended up going and it was such a good trip and fun, but it was actually very different because this is when I was really like taking the podcast host and coach thing very seriously. And Marley is like all in on her business. Marley's full time with her website design. So it wasn't a trip where we were like going to the beach and dancing and going to clubs. It was like, Hey, I have to work today on a Tuesday and I want to like do something later, but I need to go to a cafe. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to work too on my like new podcast stuff. So it was really, it was like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe this. Cause it was like a vacation slash work trip, but it wasn't my work yet because I hadn't made money, any money off of podcast coaching. And I was just using it as a way to like test the digital nomad life. I was like, well, wait, this is exactly what it would feel like to move around and go to cafes and like work for yourself. Like, Why don't you just do it? So I'd bring my laptop to a cafe and like start working on my website, start working on like new masterclasses and clients and things that I could do. So it was kind of like a trial run of freelancing and working abroad. Now we also had amazing food. We definitely went out. We had so much fun in girl time, like all the healing stuff, got my nails done, got like a massage, went to, we went to Ubud actually. So we went to Chenggu first and then Ubud, we did a cacao healing manifestation ceremony. We did a palm reading, yoga, like it was so much fun. And I was like, wow, this is exactly what I needed. Like this is the time that I, this is how I wanna spend the rest of my time in Australia. So this is where I also got my snake tattoo. I got my first three tattoos the first time I went to Bali. And then I got my fourth tattoo as a snake. And the reason was I felt like I was really like shedding an old layer of myself where I was like, I like this version of me that like works for herself has really good, meaningful relationships, spends her free time doing like fun things that she wants to, takes breaks in the sunshine, like sleeps in, goes for a walk. I was like, this is who I like. And so I got this snake to represent like, it's time to shed an old me and like snakes also represent power and fertility. And yeah, so I was like this, I'm getting this snake tattoo. So it was a really great trip. And it's also where I really started to notice that I did not love drinking as much as I thought because we were working and not going out as much. And we were doing all these healing things. It just felt then weird to go get like fucking blackout drunk and drunky. You know what I mean? Like to do yoga and swim on the beach and work at a beautiful cafe and come home and do a massage and your nails. And then all of a sudden be like, okay, now let's go get wasted. It It was just off. So I started to see more clearly and be really in tune with myself. And I was moving very slow And the manifestation cacao ceremony, I think I did a a podcast back in February recapping that whole time in Bali. That was crazy. Because I thought it was going to be this like fun little manifestation ceremony, like write notes in a jar. And like, I don't even know what I thought. This was like, deep, like we were there for two hours, people were sharing like their darkest fears. um, And I felt so pulled to share something. And again, I think I talked about this in the February episode but it was just this part of me that had been like dying to be shared. And I was uncontrollably sobbing and it was sobbing in a way though that was healing. It was like, it needed to come out of my body. And that's when I started again to realize I'm like, there's just something under the surface that's bubbling that it needs to be healed. And Bali was the second time around. So again, the first time around is like where I noticed it. And now I'm there for the second time with a friend that I really enjoyed her company where I was like, this is something I need to focus on is like these deeper healings and not just like surface level stuff. I really need to get into the deeper shit. Now towards the end of the month, I wasn't really vibing with my social media job. I really didn't like the lack of structure. I wasn't loving who I reported to. And I felt a little outcast. Um, these are also all things that I need to work on. Like, you know, the structure thing isn't that big of a deal. Like that's how they operate. Um, the outcast thing I could have fixed, but like, I just felt so different from them because i had never been in the music industry i didn't know anything about it i didn't know the language the lingo the culture the like you know these like unsaid rules that happen in certain industries so i just felt very out of place and it was a lot of work for the commute and the money again it paid well but like i felt like i was doing a shit ton of work and i was also kind of like co-reporting to somebody else that wasn't really my boss that i didn't really like and he was really rude and i was just like i don't like this like I don't like this. I don't like my gelato job. I'm doing all this deep healing. And what the fuck am I doing with like all these different things? So I just find it, I found it very hard to have passion for all these different things. And remember the yoga, private yoga thing was like still in my mind. So the end of it's like mid February, I come back from Bali and all this stuff is like in my head. And all of a sudden it hits me like a bag of bricks where I'm like, holy shit, I need to do my 88 days of farm work. So remember farm work is to get your second year visa. Now Americans are lucky that we can do hospitality or tourism, but the catch is you have to do it in an area with a very specific zip code. So you cannot just go work at like a restaurant in Sydney. You literally have to go to like the outback or up North to a totally deserted spot. And I was like, Wait, Chelsea, you need to do this because everybody has told me horror stories about their work. Like it didn't get counted, or they had to do five months in order for it to count. And then a weather storm hit, so then it didn't count for their days. And there's all these rules that go into the 88 days. Anybody that's listening and has done their 88 days knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's not some like easy breezy thing that you just apply for and get it done and move on. There's a lot of fucking work that goes into it. And I started to realize well, if I want to get my 88 days, I need to give myself enough time to find the job to actually complete the job and then to get it signed off on. So I need to get it done before my visa is up, because if your visa is up, you don't get to do it. So it just hit me like lightning where I was like, holy shit, I need to do my 88 days. And at this point, I also decided I didn't want my company to sponsor me. And then they also said they couldn't either. So I was like, that's kind of great. Who cares? So I decided in March, I was going to go find work. So my mindset now in February is like, very hopeful very optimistic working on my healing and starting to realize these parts of me that I wanted to uncover at this point the things i've invested in are definitely all the things i did in bali like the palm reading the manifestation ceremony the yoga like the massages all that self-care stuff and healing stuff and then i think the courses at this point i was in were the private yoga course and then that self-love like mini course so i just realized that i that investing in myself was helping a lot though So towards the end of the month, um, yeah, I decided this, I was overwhelmed with all my jobs. I knew, I knew I needed to break free and I was really becoming more in tune with myself. And I'm, by the way, was still recovering from that breakup, which I, I call it a breakup because to me it was, um, but yeah, so I was like still a little sad about it, but I was recovering March comes along and I'm like, okay, gotta go do my farm work. So I move out of my apartment. I go to Cairns, which is like northern. It's very tropical, and it's where I could do my work. It's not that remote, like it is, but it's not. It's still like a town, and it is not what I expected. Again, I thought Cairns. Everyone's like, it's tropical, it's jungle. You're gonna love it. And I got there, and I'm like, there's no beach. It's like a weird. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a barrier beach because of the alligators. And this is what people are talking about when they make fun of Australia. Like all the crazy animals are in Cairns and up North, like the poisonous spiders and the frogs and the alligators. To me, if you're from Florida, it felt like Gainesville, like very swampy and Everglades and very, very slow. I remember being like what the hell is going on here? I had come from Sydney, which is like hustle bustle. Everybody's doing stuff. Everyone's out at the beach, Bali. Everyone's there zipping around on scooters. And I felt I got to Cairns and it was like a ghost town. I'm like, what the hell happened here? And apparently it was rainy season. So rainy season, like no one goes there because there's nothing to do and no place is higher. So I was like, well, great, this is perfect. How am I going to get my Farm work job or my remote hospitality job if nothing is hiring. So I ended up staying at this hostel and I, funny enough, ended up meeting two American girls that were in my room that worked at the hostel. And they're like, you know, you could work at this hostel and get your work done. So I was like, okay, yeah. And here's the thing I didn't love the hostel. Like, this was one of the hostels that I was like, I don't really want to live in. I had at this point turned 29. And I was just like, I don't want to really be here. Like, I feel like it's like, ugh. It's like the hostel that like partying all the time, really, really cheap food. Everyone's like just trying to get drunk. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to work here, but I'm also desperate to get my job. So... This is also when COVID news started to trickle in and I was feeling very off. So I felt very out of my environment with like Marley didn't come with me. Right. So Marley has her own life and job in her website design business. And obviously my friends had their whole lives too. Like I had to leave to do this job. So I had like no friends. I didn't, I felt like I wasn't relating to anybody. I didn't like this party hostel. And I was literally handing out resumes left and right. And like not one single person was even giving me the time of day. So finally I got a trial at a travel agency and I was literally on the sidewalk talking to people, trying to get them to sign up and do a tour. So, you know, when you just walk up and you're like, Hey guys, what are you doing? want to check out our new tours coming up. But to me, that was like the dream job for this work. I was like, hell yeah, I get to do this type of work instead of working on a farm and get paid well and go on these trips, like, hell yeah. So I did this trial and I didn't get it. And I was disappointed because I was like, oh, where am I going to work? And I'm not kidding. It was like a sign from God himself or herself or the source universe, whatever you want to say, where I was like, wait, I do know one girl that used to be in um that used to do her farm work up in Cairns let me message her and she went to my college okay i don't even remember being friends with this girl so i messaged her and i was like hey girl i'm in cairns i'm looking for a job like do you have any leads or ideas and she's like actually there's a recruitment agency there that places backpackers in their 88 days work i was like what the fuck that's crazy i've never heard of that system so i go visit this lady and she is like immediately like yep i can get you a job here we can place you here you're good to go there i'm like Oh, okay, perfect. So she ends up telling me about this place in Western Australia where I could work at a really fun bar and I could be a nanny for the owners for accommodation. And at first, I was like, "Mm, don't want to go to Western Australia. By the way, when you go to Australia, for some reason, everybody wants to go to the East Coast and do the trip up the East Coast and then go to the West Coast. But I think the West Coast is really underrated but it is cause there's more like outback and like the red rocks type of thing in the West coast. But because I had been like brainwashed to think like nothing was in the Western coast, I was just kind of like, mm, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to work at a bar. I don't want a nanny. But then she's like, um, let me show you where they live. And they lived in a mansion. So I was like, okay, I'm right now in a hostel where I don't even like, well, I don't even like it. The showers are gross. I don't like the, the only people I liked was like my one roommate. So I didn't really want the job there. And then the COVID news was like coming in. And um, I was just like, this feels like something feels off with working at this hostel. So when she showed me the picture of this mansion and a beach and broom, which by the way, go Google broom. Broom is like the pictures you see when you Pinterest Australia, when you Pinterest search Australia, like the red rocks, the blue seas, like the quiet, the pink sand. I'm like, wait, that's broom. Like, hell yeah. So my mindset at this point was like, okay, I'm nervous, but I know I need to get out of here and I need to find a job or else I'm not going to get my 88 days of work. So, the end of March, I decided to take that job. By the way, I took a 24 hour bus and then a flight. So, I think I traveled over 35 hours. And this is like the week that COVID news was blowing the fuck up. So, now I'm like, this was, I think, maybe two days before I was leaving the hostel. I was even talking to the girl in the hostel. I'm like, why is no one taking this COVID thing seriously? Like in America, it seems really bad. In Europe, it seems really bad. And everybody in Australia was like, da-da-da. I even went on a tour and they made a joke about it. Like someone sneezed and they're like, "Uh coronavirus, da-da-da. Like it was not being taken seriously. And so what happened? Okay, yeah. So then when I asked my friend, she was just like, yeah, I don't know. It's not a big deal. And then all of a sudden it was like a ghost had hit the hostel and told everybody about it because – all of a sudden like half the staff went home they were changing their booking systems like no one could book anymore people were checking out left and right like the checkout desk was a mess they had to make like new policies on social media and i was like okay this is a, like a really big deal and i remember someone said well broom is so western and so remote that you'll probably be fine so i remember being like well that's even a better reason to get the hell out of here and like get out of this virus area and go to western australia so this is where things were starting to shift for me too. Cause I was like, well, you're going to like start. I I was a little scared, right? I was like, you're going to be nannying for two kids that you don't know. You're going to be working at a bar and I've never worked at a bar and you don't know anybody in Western Australia. And luckily I ended up meeting an American like two days before I left who she was looking for work. And she was like, wait, who is this person you went to? I was like, oh my God, go talk to her. Maybe we could work together. And she went and talked to her and she's like, yeah, actually they need someone else to work and they need another nanny. So me and this girl that I had just met in Cairns were ended up like we ended up being friends and she ended up coming with me to Broome. So I was like, thank God. So my mindset was now like a little bit better because I was like, well, she's coming with me. I don't have to worry too much. I have an American friend and that's exciting. So April comes now we're in April and I am not kidding. The next day that I arrive from this 24 hour bus, the restaurant and bar that I'm supposed to work at get shut down because of COVID. And there are a lot of rumors swirling around. I'm hearing that it'll only be a few weeks. We can keep the place open, but you have to social distance Then I'm hearing backpackers will get extensions. And there was a lot of uncertainty and I started panicking because I didn't know of the impact again, Australia, I feel like got the news last, but then reacted quick. But because we were getting the news last, I was watching America's numbers spike up and I was like, what the hell is going on here? But then I was like, well, it doesn't make sense to go home because it's so bad. And I don't even know how flights are working. I actually looked up flights and they were like $10,000. So I'm kind of freaking out and I'm like, well, now what am I going to do? I don't have money to work because like, I'm not making money. Cause the restaurant shut down. I don't really have a ton of money because I just spent a whole month in Cairns at that hostel. And obviously I need to eat. And then I went out a few times. So I'm like running low on money and I'm a little confused about COVID. Like, do I fly home or not? So April was very weird. Cause it was like, so uncertain what was happening. And I, there were so many rumors going around. And also I was like convinced by so many people that broom was so isolated that we wouldn't really get the virus. And so I was kind of just assured that it wouldn't be that bad and just stick it out. Now, my friend who was with me was very active. Like she used to be a kickboxing trainer. She used to work at a gym and do personal training. And so we were like, well, we have nothing else to do, but like watch these kids and work out. Right. Because the restaurant was shut down. This is where I had a really big shift, like my third big shift. So I feel like my first two were like in Bali and then just realizing my pace in Australia was like slowing down and moving differently. Also, I like never weighed myself, never counted calories, never like worried about what I was eating because Australians didn't. So I just started to notice that like my body and mind were changing slowly but gradually. So when this girl and I got to broom and we realized there's nothing else to do but like work out and get active – it was actually kind of fun. Like the house, remember we're in a mansion too. So it was pretty sick to go from living in like hostels and small apartments to living in a mansion, having our own rooms. They had huge spaces and patios. So we're like, we should just like work outside every day or work out outside every day. Now with the kids, they were like my biggest learning lesson. And I feel like I need to do a whole separate podcast about them because when I got there, and I heard nannying, I was thinking like, yeah, we're going to like play with them and get them dressed and feed them and whatever, have fun with them. And then I hear like, yeah, no, you also have to like bathe them, put them to bed and they might want to go out to eat and entertain them. And I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. I think I just had a really limited view of what my job scope was. And my friend's like, yeah, of course we're going to have to like put them to bed and feed them and stuff. And I'm like, what? They were um, One was less than two years old and one was four years old. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever watched a baby like this. Like, I don't know what to do with her. I don't know how to put her to bed. I don't know how to bathe her. Like, what if she drowns? Like, I was freaking out about washing this baby. And the boy I wasn't worried about. But I was also like, what if he acts out? What if he does this? And I was kind of like, frantic about washing them. Luckily, the girl I was with shout out to Rachel was like, so good with them. And so like, down to earth, she's like, Chelsea, what you just like put them in the bath, you just tell them to wash their bodies, you get them out, put a towel on like, stop. So I was like, okay, you're right. And I also learned very quickly. I want to say within the first like three weeks that how I react is how they react. So when I would be like snappy and like annoyed with them, they would be like snappy and annoying back, or they would get louder. They would throw things or they would be uh, resistant to my rules. So I was like, this is like a very interesting experiment. Now I also, at this point with the private yoga thing, I think at this point, because of COVID, I was like, obviously I can't teach in person, but maybe I can teach online. But I, it was still in the back of my mind, but I didn't really know how to bring it forward. And I was so busy with the kids that I didn't really understand what I was like going to do to make money. But I was like, well, I'm fine now because I don't have to pay for rent because I was nannying for accommodation. And I still had some savings left and our groceries were basically taken care of. I think we just had to pay for like cheap groceries and me and the girl would split a lot of stuff. So I wasn't like, terrified about money, but I also wasn't comfortable either. I was like, I need to do something. So I'm trying to think what really happened here. Okay. So yeah, the girl and I are starting to grocery shop. We're eating much healthier. We're working out. And I just see this like drastic, drastic improvement in my mood and my energy. Like I would wake up, meditate, go outside on the beautiful sunshine patio, do like a quick Pilates or yoga workout take my journal out there, make a tea, come in, juice, eat some fruit, like play with the babies. And I was like, this is weird. Like I feel very, very happy. Not, I don't want want to say weird, but like it was kind of weird because of the coronavirus and knowing that I was terrified of watching these kids earlier that I was like, it is weird that I'm like feeling so happy. And I'm like, Well, that's a testament to like the practices of journaling and meditating and being outside. Like no wonder you feel so good and you're treating your body like nourishing it and not killing it with like counting calories and running and doing things you don't even like to do. And I just started to notice this shift in my mood. Now, this is also where the seed of my business is being planted. Because I had nothing to do but watch these kids and I split the responsibility with the girl that came with me. And then I had my yoga certification. So things started to like spin in my head of like, okay, wait, people are working out online. They have to stay inside. Why don't you teach yoga on Zoom? So again, I'm very impulsive. And I was like, okay, we're doing it like yoga on Zoom, just try it out. So I just went crazy and I was like, I'll figure this out. I'll just pick a time and day. And I'll tell everybody I can, and everybody can send me money on Venmo for the Zoom classes, like $10 or $15. So I literally reached out to everybody I knew on DM, sorority sisters, my study abroad friends, my college friends, Australia friends, coworkers. Like, no, I don't care if I like knew you or not. I was like DMing you on Instagram. I was like, hey, I'm doing this yoga class. And it turned out so well, I ended up making like a nice chunk of cash that I did not have before. So my mindset at this point was like uncertain, but I found a lot of peace in the workouts that I was doing and the sunshine and the beach and that girl being with me. When we we had our days off, we would go to Cable Beach, which is like an iconic beach. And it is gorgeous. Like I'm getting chills right now even talking about it. It almost makes me emotional (laughs) because it was a place I was in such a different state of mind where I was so happy and content. Like I was loving my body, I was loving the way I was treating myself. I was getting along so well with the kids. I was getting along so well with the the family that I lived with. Me and this girl were getting along so well. I was still talking to Marley. Like I was finally feeling like so healed from that breakup that I found so much like hope and inspiration there. And then the whole yoga class and making that money really boosted my confidence. Cause I was like, wait, people like really liked it and people really want to work with me. So that's when I was like, I might keep doing these yoga zoom classes to make money. So my mind was like uncertain still about what I was going to do with going home or not, but I still, again, I just felt this internal shift that was a very different version of myself than when I got to Australia and was like drinking, hooking up, working up, you know, working three jobs, running around, running on empty. This was like a slower, more peaceful, nourished version of me that I could tell was like reflecting. Like my skin was glowing. I was like happier when I talked to the kids, and that it made them happier. I was having like amazing conversations. It was just. A really big shift. So then May comes around. So we just have May June and July left. We're already at an hour and a half. So yeah, I think this is going to go to two hours, people. So buckle up. <laughs> we get to May, and we start to see the numbers climbing, and I start to panic because I'm like, I don't really understand how this could end well if, with us staying here. Like we're going to get stuck in this house where we're not getting paid, and how am I going to make money to keep buying groceries? Again, my only idea this time was yoga on Zoom. And I don't want to get stuck here and like not be able to fly home. So we keep looking at flights. And again, they're like thousands of dollars. I think it was $10,000 was the cheapest one we could find. And I also kept hearing the rumors of the extension. Like, don't worry about your visa. You'll get an extension. Oh, the reason I was panicking too was because just because I was nannying and doing the, um, the work there didn't mean it counted for my 88 days. So I actually was not getting any of those times to get my second year visa. So that's why I was freaking out because I was like, well, I'm not getting my second year visa. So then why the hell am I staying here? But I don't really have money to just go back to Sydney and I don't have money to go home. So it was this very weird paradox of like, what the hell do I do? Like every outcome seems bad. And I did a whole podcast on this with my friend, Rachel. We actually did one, I think back in May or June, where we talked about like, what it was like being stuck in Australia at this time. So go back to that one. It's called um, like I think living abroad and dealing with coronavirus with Rachel Stroh. And we talk about this like in real time. So you can hear how we're like kind of freaking out what to do. So we also found out New Zealand, which is right next to Australia, got the extensions. So we kept thinking like we're gonna get extensions, so it doesn't matter. So we figured do that. We um we start to we start to hear too from the restaurant that they might open up again and we could work some casual hours. So then we were like, okay, well, then we don't have to worry. Like if we're gonna get extensions and we're gonna get casual hours, then who cares? Now, at this point too, I'm starting to really bond with the kids and they're teaching me uh, teaching me so much and finding a side of me that I did not know existed, which was very patient, very calm, and very understanding. I feel like the little girl and I had this crazy like soul connection. Her name's Charlie. And we became like best friends. She wasn't even two years old, but I just felt like I started to understand her baby language. And it started to open up this side of me that felt maternal that I felt like I did not have because FYI, like some background context, I would say from like 26 ish, maybe 27 up until this year, I kind of decided like, I'm okay with not having kids and I don't really know that I want them. So I was like, I'll just be a fun aunt. I'll just have all my friends' babies. Like I want to, I don't know. I just didn't feel called to have a baby. So when I met this baby, it was the first time where it started to teach me so much about like being a mother and being patient and not like, I don't know. There was all these lessons. I feel like I need to, again, do a whole podcast on the lessons I learned with them. But it was just really eye-opening to, again, watch the way they reacted to how I reacted. Like the days that I would go do my yoga, go journal, have my tea, read a book, whatever, and come back inside, those were the days where we got along best. Like no fights, no crying, like the fun, we would laugh together, play together, easy showers, easy dinner. They would go to bed like so quickly. But the days where I was like rolling out of bed, tired and snappy, and like, okay, come on, let's put on your clothes, we gotta go, are the days that they would be like really like snapping back and throwing their food and not wanting to take a shower. And I'm like, they literally just do what you do. They're like little mirrors. My friend calls it that. Like they really are little mirrors. So that was going, that's what was going on. And I also started really getting into my business. So now I'm starting to idealize, idolize? No, brainstorm? <laughs> I'm like kind of losing brain steam here because I'm an hour and a half in. Um, I'm starting to think of ways to expand my yoga business. And again, I am so impulsive that I am like going nuts. I'm like, Oh, I can do online videos and people can buy them as a package, or I could make an app, or I could do like a subscription based model. And I was researching so many things. And I started to realize, well, Chelsea, if you're not going to go home, you're not going to go back to Sydney. And all you're doing is sitting here watching the kids you have time on your hands and you have no responsibilities. And it's funny that whole phrase, like, be careful what you wish for. I remember earlier in the year when I was doing my podcast hosting coaching thing, I just didn't have the time. Like I was working three jobs, so I could never dedicate time to it. And this was like exactly what I had asked for. Like, wait, you literally don't have to pay bills. You have no obligation except to watch the kids and you split the time with the girl. And we only watch them four days a week and you have no other job. So I was like, well, this is it. So I started listening to entrepreneurship podcasts, following more people that did entrepreneurship, asking all my entrepreneurship friends questions. I was like emailing people in Facebook groups and because I had had so much inspiration from Melissa Wood Health. She was someone that I was working out with all the time during the quarantine. I made it sound like she was my personal trainer. She's an app. (laughs) She's amazing. They're like quick workouts. And I found them so easy to do because when I was watching the kids, they could like literally be outside with me and I could do the workout for 15 minutes or they'd be watching frozen. And I would do like a 10 minute workout with her. So I loved her app and how quick and effective the workouts were. And I was like, wait, I'm going to do that, but like make it a little more millennial and make it more yoga. I feel like her stuff is very Pilates heavy. So I was like, I'm going to make it fun names, like jet lag yoga and hangover yoga. and like, I'm too lazy to do yoga yoga. And everybody was like, that's so cute and fun. I love that. So I went all in. I started mapping out videos. I would ask the girl when I was not nannying, if she could take the kids outside so I could shoot videos in the house, because remember I'm in a mansion. So they had a huge house and a lot of areas to shoot videos. I wanted, um, my editor for my podcast to edit the sound and videos. So he could do that. I got Vimeo, like the, um, what's it called? The video hosting website. Like I was all in on this. And I remember being like, I need to talk to someone that can make an app. I need to figure out, I actually emailed Melissa Woodhouse team asking how they hosted their app and their platform. Like, this is how, the reason I'm telling you guys this is so you can understand when people see my life now in 2020, at the end of 2020, and they're like, oh my God, like dream life. I can't believe you're doing what you're doing. I'm like, you need to hear all the things that I did before I did what I'm doing now. Right? Like right now, I'm a mindset coach. I don't, I barely teach yoga. I have one private client and I don't even know that I'm going to do that anymore. And just in April or May, I was like dead set on having a yoga app. Okay. Like literally editing videos, hiring people to help me edit the videos, coming up with names. And also because everybody was inside, we started realizing like we needed more community. So my friend Marley and I were talking and we made a little, she made a little mastermind group of like her entrepreneurship friends where we're like, let's connect every week and brainstorm and have like just fun because we're all trying to figure out how to pivot online. So we're all trying to figure out how to pivot online. And I'm telling them, telling all these girls about this idea and they're like, oh my God, I love this. This is so amazing. And the Zoom classes I kept doing them. Cause I was like, well, they make me money. Now the zoom classes, I was just like, wait, I need to make this a, like a membership thing. Like people can pay for two classes or three or four. And then I had some people reaching out being like, I want you to teach me meditation because I don't know how to do it. So then I was like, wait, I could teach private meditation. I could teach group classes, just of meditation, like April and June were like mad scientist, crazy girl mode. Now this is also though, where I started investing in a lot of videos. And courses to understand entrepreneurship better because I didn't under, like, I didn't know how to do any of this. Right. I don't know how to put a membership together. I don't know how to like hire someone to help me with an app to develop a a subscription model. I don't even know how the business model works. So those are things that when I talk about investing in yourself, I do it a lot to like find a shortcut to an outcome because I had been listening to so many entrepreneurship podcasts, so many YouTube videos, so many books that I'm like, there's all these different concepts and ideas and it's just a little confusing because I'm overwhelmed. I just want to do it one way and have someone show me how to do it and be done with it. So at this point, I had invested in the six-figure chick who I'm obsessed with. She actually passed away, Cece, RIP. She was the most amazing mentor with digital products. And I bought like 12 of her videos, like how to start a membership, how to get leads, how to build an email marketing list, how to build a checkout page, like again, I want to share this with you all because I think people think I had this stuff all figured out and that I like had some business background or that I like my dad or somebody helped me. I'm like, no, I literally was buying the education and investing in people to help me with this. So I was watching these videos in my free time. So anytime I wasn't with the kids, I was doing this, but then I became like a little too obsessed. I was like, holy shit, Like I love learning and I, and because I was building momentum with the zoom yoga classes where people really were like buying the four class pack and doing like private meditation classes, I was like, clearly there is something here. Like, this is a real idea. This isn't something I'm making up that I started to like really stay up late and the time zone difference with like teaching people in America. I was like, screw it. I don't care. I'll wake up at six and teach at seven, but then I would have to watch the kids at like nine till five. And then when I was watching the kids, they would be on uh, their their laptops, their iPads, or like watching TV, and I'd have my laptop out watching these videos. And I actually started to burn out because I was becoming way too obsessed because I was teaching yoga twice a week. And then in between that, I was watching the kids. And then on top of that, I was trying to like learn as many things as I possibly could. And I had this weird clock against myself where I was like, I don't know when this, um coronavirus is going to be over. So I feel like I have the time now to learn. So I need to like soak up as much as this free, as much of this free time as I can to learn all these things. So I was in like entrepreneurship, mad scientist burnout mode, like sleeping, reading and breathing anything I could about business. So now June comes and we've accepted that COVID is really g- shutting everything down. Like the restaurant is shut down. Western Australia is shut down. You can't fly between the States you can't do anything. Um, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Cause we're obviously clearly not getting our visas anymore because my visa expired in August. And remember you have to work for three months. So June, July, August, that wouldn't have worked out. So I'm like, well, I'm just kind of accepting that I'm not getting that visa, but I'm starting to be excited about my whole journey with this like business that I could do like this yoga stuff. So now I'm having this realization that we're not getting the visa and I have to leave in August and it's June. So I was like, I can either stay here for the rest of the month and then maybe like go home in July or not go home, go back to Sydney and then go home or write it out. But I'm really enjoying this free time because I loved the kids. I loved the sunshine. Broom was like so quiet and laid back and relaxed. I was getting along so well with the other girl. We had like our routine, like we worked out together. We were at one point we were all like juicing. I think I was basically vegetarian at one point because my body was just like craving it. It was like a totally different mind. I literally feel like I was a new person then. So I'm really all in on this yoga idea. And then the same person that I had invested in with the yoga, that private yoga, um, course, she actually came out with a whole course around creating a course. And I was like, that actually sounds interesting because then I don't have to teach private yoga. I can teach multiple people. And I had the space to shoot a video And videos for the course, like, this is perfect. So now I'm very into this yoga idea and creating a course. I invested money in that course with her. Again, I paid for it to be a shortcut to an outcome instead of trying to figure it out myself. And the more I mapped it out and the more content I put out, though, I realized that something was feeling off. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like I was just so in all, all in on this idea. I'm getting amazing feedback on my classes. The girls I'm in this mastermind with are telling me it's such a good idea. They love the names. Like everybody's inside working out. Like, why am I feeling this weird block? I don't get it. And I was just realizing I wasn't really that excited to teach anymore like all the classes I was doing and even the private clients, I was like, I just don't really like love this. And I had my whole Facebook group, which was going to be for beginner yogis. And I was doing videos about anatomy and philosophy. And I just was doing these videos and it felt like I wasn't even excited. I was like, why am I doing them? Like, it's just not fun. So I just started to realize like, Chelsea, something's not right here. Like you're going all in with this yoga stuff, but you don't even really like doing it. So I knew I needed a pivot, but I just didn't know how my mindset though, at this point was really good energy. Like I said, working out on the patio, eating healthy, juicing, eating so many plants, meditating, journaling, taking all these entrepreneurship classes. Like I really had this fire in my belly that was developing that I was like, holy shit, like something big is about to happen. I was walking on the beach. We were swimming in the water. I was just like very tapped into nature and my mindset at this point. And then it hit me like a bolt of lightning. I was doing a meditation outside on the patio and I'm not kidding. It was like, I described this experience as like the one time in meditation, by the way, I was meditating like quite a bit after yoga where I knew what people were talking about when they were saying that meditation can unlock your best ideas. It was like all the puzzle pieces clicked together. It was like, whoosh. It was like, Chelsea, you need to be a mindset coach. And remember, I didn't even know what a coach was like eight months before that. I had only started to know because I found that private yoga coaching whole course thing. And then that same person sold me the course to create a course. And then that one girl that I invested this self-love coaching thing in, and then that girl, six-figure chick, her courses, I was like, wait, all those people are some type of coach or some type of educator or some type of service provider Why don't you do the same thing, but with mindset, because my mindset is what helped me get through the whole year without actually having like a full on, you know, panic breakdown and flying home. Like, hello, I had dealt with family trauma, family drama, breakups, bushfires, COVID pandemic, like everything you can think of was happening. But somehow I was like in the best mindset of my life. So I was like, you need to teach people about this. Like you're going through it right now and you just made a big decision around switching from yoga to mindset, which in itself is a big mindset shift. So I was like, holy shit, this is it. It was like lit up every bone and cell and everything in my body. I was like, this is it. I went in my Facebook group, I announced it, I pivoted and it just turned on a switch. Like I am telling you, it was as if like an alien took over my body. I like bought the domain name. I hired a graphic designer. I booked a photo shoot in Sydney because I decided I was going to go back to Sydney in July. I made a vision board and I was like, this is fucking it. And also at this time, I think I really started investing more into business workshops and courses because I was like, Chelsea, if you're going to be a mindset coach and a manifestation coach, you really need to level up everything. Like you need to understand how to do email marketing and you need to understand how to do social media and you need to understand how to make a sales page. Because remember, I didn't know how to do any of this. So any money I was making from yoga, I was putting right back into my business. So I want to make that really clear for any like entrepreneurs listening. I wasn't like making money and then buying myself fun things. I was making money and then like hiring a graphic designer, making money and then buying a workshop making money and then hiring a photo photographer. So I was any bit of money I was, could get my hands on was going into my business. I also was just whipping out my credit card because I was like in entrepreneur mad scientist mode where I was like, I know this will pay off. I just need to get this idea going at this point too. We're in June The kids are teaching me so much. I feel like I can communicate with them so well. I understand them. I understand how to diffuse situations. I can understand how to like talk calmer and confront them. Like the the four-year-old boy was like kind of a genius, I feel like. (laughs) Like he was very emotionally intelligent. I just remember certain things where like I would put his sister in timeout because she would hit him. And then he would be like, look, you don't need to put her in timeout, okay? I'm gonna go talk to her. And I was like, wow, that's a very like, mature way to handle conflict. Or like, he would be pissing me off. And I'd be like, Henry, listen to me, we need to do this. And he would just look at me and be like, I don't like your words. And I was like, wow, he's (laughs) actually like really funny. So I was learning so much from them. And this was really helpful. Now, I also want to throw this in there because I, the yoga was like kind of slowing down cuz i just had decided i didn't really want to do it anymore. I was like, "Well, wait, where am i going to get money?" I was like, "I need I need to ask people around here how to make money." And the owner of the house was like, "Actually, there's a lady down the street that needs her house cleaned." So, I was like, "Okay, I'll do it." Like, "I need money. I need money to build this dream." So, I went and cleaned this lady's house every other week. And I again, I want to tell you guys this because I I think people make assumptions that I was like living my absolute best life in Australia. I'm like, guys, at one point I was so burnt out nannying for free and cleaning someone's house to make money. And that money was also for buying groceries and everything else was like going into my business. So now I'm like full steam ahead of my business. I know exactly what I want to do. I'm going to teach a course on mindset manifestation. I'm going to do a masterclass. And because I was so fucking excited and aligned I signed a one-on-one client before I even announced my masterclass. Like she was like, Hey, I can tell you're like so fired up. I would love to work with you. And I want to like get to know what your business is all about. And I was like, hell yes, this is exactly what I knew would happen because it's so, it's like a 100% yes in every part of my body that no wonder people could see it. So I ended up working with her and it was amazing. We did three months together And it was my first client, so it was like, obviously, I'm figuring things out as I go, and I'm trying to make a better structure and understand what clients need and what they don't need. But now it's July, and it's my last month before I have to go home because my visa was up in the very beginning of August. So I actually had booked a flight for the very end, I think, of July, yeah. The end of July. So I was like, I'm going to leave Broom, And I was actually really sad to leave, which was so funny because I was so resistant to going, but I had developed such a special bond with that family and that little girl. And my friend was also there that we had become like such good friends. So close that it was really hard. I actually found it very hard to leave because you have to remember too, this is my life for three months where I was so ingrained. Like I was basically in that house for three months, except to leave and go to the beach and the grocery store. So it becomes so used to that surrounding and that routine and like the kids and the laughter and everything. It was really, really weird to all of a sudden just be like, okay, going to go back to my Sydney friends where everyone parties and goes out and drinks and Bondi beach. Like it just felt really weird. It felt like I was leaving to another planet. But I knew I wanted to go back to Sydney and say bye to all my friends. Everybody that I had met all year was in Sydney. So I was like, whatever. I I do have to go say bye to everyone. Let's just spend one last month in Sydney. I'll stay with my cousin. I'll say bye to all my friends and I'll go home. So all of a sudden though, I was like, wait, you have a whole month. Why would you go back to Sydney if you don't really want to go there? And then I was thinking of all the trips I took that year, which weren't that many because remember there were bushfires and coronavirus, but I was like, well, you didn't really like Cairns, but you loved Byron Bay. Now here's the catch. I was flying to, um, um, Sydney. But right at this point is when they started locking state borders. So you couldn't leave the state. So even if I wanted to go to like the great barrier reef, I couldn't because I couldn't fly across that state border. It's not in the same state as Sydney. So I was like, well, what's in, what's in new South Wales that I can go to? And I was like, Byron, Byron Bay, what the fuck? Like you could go to Byron Bay for a month. So then I was like, wait, Marley loves Byron. Marley lived there for like two, four months at one point. And remember, Marley was like my best friend in all of Australia. So I was like, wait. And Marley was starting to feel over Sydney. She had moved to Sydney for a little bit. So I talked to Marley. I was like, Marley, I know this sounds fucking crazy, but like, would you be interested in going to Byron for a month before I move back? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. So I originally was only supposed to go for like two weeks. I was going to go for two or three weeks to Byron and then go back to Sydney for a week and then go home. So I stayed in a very far away hostel from the city. And then I ended up moving to a nicer one closer to the town. But Byron, I am telling you all, is like transporting back to Woodstock. People are barefoot. Like you go to the grocery store, the formal grocery store, and people are barefoot. Everybody is hippies. There's so much natural food. Like there's literally a restaurant called Avocado Hut. It is like healing, juice bars, frozen yogurt. Like you just turn the corner and it's all, it's like It's kind of weird too, though, because it's hippie, but it's also very bougie. Like Chris Hemsworth lives there. So just FYI, and Zac Efron spent a lot of time there. So you can start to see, it's kind of like Malibu. That's what I felt like. It was like a hippie version of Malibu where it's like gorgeous, healing, relaxing, bougie, but then also has this like hippie element and a little more lively than Malibu. Like there's bars, there's beach bars, but again, everything's closed. So it didn't feel as backpackery to me either as Bondi did, because there were way, there was may I can't even speak anymore, way more nature and way nicer beaches and way more laid back people. So I have definitely told this story about dating and like feeling like, what the hell, why why would I date? But I remember being like, you know what? I think it would be like really fun to like have a Byron romance or like something steamy. And what's interesting is, I had done so much inner work on myself those months in Broom, that I was like, I think it's going to be amazing to meet a guy here because I've done so much work on myself that I'll meet a guy here that's like finally a match for what I want, not these like hookups that I was hooking up with back in Bondi in the first of the year. Now, <clears throat> this is also in the midst of pivoting my business, remember? So I'm like dead serious now about making a course for mindset manifestation. Yoga is done. I think I... No, I think I had like one or two private clients that had already signed up with me, but I wasn't doing zoom classes anymore. I was like, I am making a freaking mindset manifestation course. So another girl ended up signing up. I ended up doing a masterclass that went so well. And this is like when everything started to click, I'm like, yep, this is exactly what I meant to be doing. It was so easy to get people to sign up for my course. And I'm not saying that in a braggy way I'm saying, because I was so aligned and people could feel it. It was like obviously it would be easy to like i'm not selling something that i don't like so it doesn't even feel like selling so also with byron i am loving life here okay i am waking up i'm walking on the beach i'm swimming i'm meeting the coolest people i'm there with marley who's like my most motivating friend i have found my life purpose i'm doing fun things like we're going to the sauna together we're getting our nails done we're we're eating delicious food the places to go are fun like I was loving life. So I was walking on the beach one day, taking a break, walking the beach, gorgeous beach day. Everybody's like swimming, throwing Frisbees, drinking beer. And I'm like, why would I leave? (laughs) Like, I love this place. And all of a sudden Marley like hyped me up and she's like, why don't you just stay? Like, why don't you get a bridging visa and then just do a visitor visa? And I didn't even know all these options. She's like, yeah, that's what I do. Marley wasn't on the same visa. So I was like, wait, what the hell am I thinking? Like, of course I could do that. So all of a sudden I'm like, fuck it. I'm canceling my flight and I'm extending my visa again. Impulsive Chelsea comes and just does her thing. I literally that day canceled my flight, moved it back. I actually, I think I just canceled it and got a credit And I was like, I'm going to do the bridging visa, which means like the approval visa where you just stay for like a month or two while they approve your other visa. And then I'll get three months on this other visa. So I was like, hell yes, I'm going to be living in Byron. Like I really couldn't be happier. I remember one time I was walking on the beach and I just started crying because I was like so happy. I was like, I cannot believe how good I feel like mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, like amazing. But then- the universe threw me a lovely little test. And I ended up going out. I told this story on my dating podcast before, um, the relationship, uh, dating and relationship from a guy's perspective. I think that one where I had been like, Ooh, I'm going to meet an amazing guy. And I ended up just hooking up with this total fuckboy, boy. Like, Oh, like not, He was just cute. And that's why we ended up hooking up. And I remember feeling like, I do not like this feeling. Like it was that test of like, When you go on a detox and then you eat sugar again and you're like, oh, I hate that. That's what happened. It was like, okay, you wanted to meet a good guy and you wanted a relationship and you want you felt like you worked on yourself. Here's a test. And I like ate the sugar and I was like, whoa, it wasn't even sugar. I'll call him like a piece of licorice because I hate licorice. And I was like, ew, hate that. Like never doing that again. And it was then that I made this like very big energetic commitment to myself to be like, do not do things that you don't want to do which seems so fucking obvious. Right. But I was like, stop self-sabotaging. You need to take yourself seriously. You have put so much work into your mind, body, and spirit. You worked on self love. Why are you settling for less? And it was just this like immediate energetic agreement with myself to like get my shit together and like stop blaming it on like other things that don't need to be blamed. You know what I mean? Like it was just this level of responsibility that I was like, we're done with that. Now, interesting enough, At this point, too, I was working with Jenna Miller, who I just shouted out on my Instagram recently, who she's a feminine embodiment expert. And I had no fucking clue what that was until I met her because she was in that little mastermind group. So when we were all working together, she was working on her business around bringing feminine and masculine energy into the world with workshops and masterclasses. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And I started working with her and I was uncovering. Again, another layer of myself that I had no idea was even a layer of myself, like my sensuality, my feminine energy, my masculine energy. I'm like, what is this? So she really, really helped me. Like I always say this, I credit her with like why I was able to find such a healthy and stable relationship because I had worked on myself first, working on like asking for what I desire and need, working on my self-confidence, on my self-love, moving and leading with feminine energy and understanding what feminine and masculine energy is. Like I had no idea what that was. So Jenna helped me so much. And I remember sitting down and talking with her about this whole like hookup. And I was like, oh, why did I do that? And I I started to go in this spiral of like, am I going to have to, you know, do another whole healing journey of a year before I meet somebody? And oddly enough, I met my current boyfriend the very next weekend. So we met at a bonfire and I we hit it off really instantly. And we are we did a whole relationship podcast. so Stay tuned for that and we are about to release a whole relationship podcast so you can get like the full story there because I don't want to give too many things away here but it was just like wow everything clicked for me in July like my purpose I loved Byron I loved myself I loved like who I was becoming I found this guy and I was just like wow this is like amazing so August comes around I end up getting the visa. And I'm like, wait, this is very weird because I just met this guy who is moving back to Germany and I'm on a bridging visa waiting for my other visa to come in to stay three months. But now I really like this guy. So we end up having really serious talks about what we want to do. But I'm also like, again, obsessed with Byron Bay. I'm obsessed with my business. I'm obsessed with the weather, but I really was not loving hostile life anymore I realized, like, I need a desk, I need my own workspace. Because what was happening was with my one on one client, because I'm in a hostel, I had like nowhere to go. Like I was doing calls with her in the bunk bed. I was trying to like, ask my roommates to leave the room, which was really awkward. I was like asking the front desk if they could give me a spare room. Like it was very hard. And I was like, I don't really know that I can do my work living in a hostel. So I was really, really craving stability and I really needed to find like my own workspace, which was just absolutely impossible in a hostel. And trust me, guys, I asked everybody. I was like, can I use your office? Can I use like this empty room? They actually let me use an empty room for my (laughs) masterclass. So I was like in a very weird position of like, I'm loving Byron, but I don't love hostel life. And by the way, Byron is expensive as fuck. I just told you guys, Chris Hemsworth lives there. It's not cheap. So really the only way to stay there is like living in a hostel or if you want to get an expensive ass Airbnb, but I was like, I'm not doing that. So I'm also starting to feel really sad that this guy's leaving, which by the way, his name is Nick mystery guys, Nick, my current boyfriend. And I'm just like, well, wait, why not go see him? So again, I don't want to give too much of this story away, but with COVID happening and me starting to fall for him and realizing that, like, I need more stability and just to stay in one place, it was like, okay, maybe my time in Australia is finally up. So I ended up deciding to go live in Germany with him. So I spent my final weeks going back to Sydney. I went there, I think, for like a week and a half. And this is where I ended up doing my photo shoot. I said bye to everyone. I went on a fun little trip to the mountains with one of my girlfriends, Dina. And I say my final goodbyes and I have like a big night out. And at the end of August, I left to Europe. So, wow. I feel like that's my end of Australia recap, a full two hours here. Now I'm living in Germany with my boyfriend. Um, I If you want to know what happened to my visa, I basically gave it up. Like I got approved for it, but I gave it up. And now I'm on a tourist visa in Germany and I have to figure out what I'm doing next. But we are literally just figuring out the steps as we go. And... It's a whole separate podcast, but I also wanted to do end with some like quick recap notes, like of food and money and things like that. So, wow, I need to take a deep breath. So, yeah, let's get to that. Wow. I feel like I cannot believe I just recorded for two hours. <laughs> My boyfriend was probably like, what are we doing? I thought we were supposed to go eat. But yeah, that was, I wanted to tell you like every single part of what was going on and how I built my business and my mindset and my body and my spirituality and everything, because there was a lot that happened. And you can see that when I started to invest in myself and look inward and take time and listen to myself is when things started to shift. So to recap some other quick things. The U.S. dollar is worth a lot. So if you went to Australia with like 10,000 U.S. dollars, you would have like 15 or 16,000 Australian dollars. So it was funny because when I got there, everyone's like, Sydney's so expensive. Get ready, you're gonna be spending so much money. And I was like, Sydney's the cheapest place I've ever been because everything was converting so crazy. I was using my American credit card that didn't charge me foreign transaction fees. So it would show me the the transaction in U.S. dollars. So that's why I was like, this is not cheap. Expensive at all? Whatever. What is everyone talking about? But of course, then when you start making Australian dollars, then it becomes expensive. I'm not kidding. Like twenty five dollars for avocado toast. It's ridiculous. So yeah, the U.S. dollar is worth a lot. Finding housing is extremely easy, and it's not hard to make friends if you go to backpacker hotspots because then you just plan trips together, and it's so easy to do that in Bondi and Sydney, especially Bondi. Like if you're a backpacker, it's probably easiest to go there or Coogee or Clovely These are all places that you can easily find friends. The visa process is so easy. It's literally one of the easiest I've seen because now I studied abroad in Spain. Now I'm in Germany and I went to Bali for a month and I'm telling you, Australia's visa process is like a joke. So if you want to travel abroad and do a year abroad, Australia is so easy and it's definitely so easy to adjust, especially because it's English speaking. So it's not that hard to like, there's no language barrier. You can stay longer there by doing the farm work or your hospitality or tourism work. And again, if you're curious, just look up 88 days farm work in Australia and you'll understand or glis- listen to Effia's podcast where she had to do the farm work. Um, a few of my clients have done their farm work. So again, it's how you're able to stay longer on the same exact visa or you can apply for other visas. So there's a, a lot of ways to stay there, but that one's the most common. I found that there's not a lot of culture. Like there was just no culture. I was never really like impressed by the culture but the beaches are absolutely gorgeous like i said cable beach is like unbelievable i think there's beautiful beaches on the west coast like i said i think is really underrated i think aussies can be kind of offensive <laughs> I'm looking at all my notes i'm like these are hilarious um, yeah, so they're kind of offensive. Like they're very jokey and cheeky. But then sometimes I find it like would hurt my feelings. And they're like, it's just a joke laying up like so sensitive Americans. And yeah, Americans are very sensitive. And I'll get to that in a second too. But I still find them offensive. And I asked my boyfriend too. And he's like, yeah, they're very like kind of below the belt offensive. And again I'm greatly generalizing here right like I have beautiful Australian friends I have an Australian coming on the podcast next week so this is just like a generalized statement but I found this like a lot of my interactions with Australians were like a little like off <laughs> um funny enough I don't like the accents I've decided the british accent is my favorite like I said I think western australia is absolutely underrated I think they have some of the prettiest beaches you can stay at so many places for accommodation. I think I lived rent free for about a third of the year. Like you can stay at hostels for accommodation. So you can like go work in the kitchen or clean or work at the front desk and you don't have to pay rent. You can do this for nannying. You can do this being an au pair, au pair, whatever you say. Like, I just remember being shocked at how easy it was to live rent free. So if you're like really struggling with money, when you go over there or run out, I'm telling you work for accommodation jobs are like everywhere. It was so easy. So definitely look for that. The pay is really good. I think at my gelato shop, I was paid like $25 an hour. At my marketing job, I was paid like $33 an hour. And at another job, I was paid $22 an hour. So very good minimum wage. Very laid back culture, especially with vacation. I remember my friend from her corporate full-time job took off the entire month of December to go to Asia. And I was shocked. I was like what do you mean you're taking a month like did you quit like who is taking a month off and she's like what are you talking about like my company has unlimited PTO I can do whatever I want I'm like what America you can take like 2 weeks off and then you still have to actually like have a backup plan and you're working on vacation and I'm like wow I have never heard of that and that happened all the time I remember at my marketing job I went in one day and I'm like where's this guy like the boss and they're like oh he's in like the, the Alps for a month I'm like what? So I love that about it. Like Australia's Australia's, Australians are so laid back and really enjoy their vacation time. And again, they work to live, not live to work. Everybody is always surfing. People leave the office early, they come in late, they take long lunch breaks. And I used to classify that as lazy. And now I'm just like, no, it's because they enjoy life. Like work is just the means to an end to live life. They're not there to prove anything to anybody. And I really love that about their culture. Also, I find that it is because of the laid backness. It also can mean a lack of structure in companies. So if you're someone that comes from a very formal background, especially corporate America, and especially if even you went to like an American college, if you start working at a a company in Australia, I found it like very hard because I was like so formalized with my training that to just go in and be told like, do whatever you want or you let us know or come back with this idea. I was like, we don't have a system. We don't have operational systems. We don't have onboarding procedures. Like it was very hard to adjust. And I know some of my clients are dealing with that right now where they're like not being trained properly or they're the head of a team and they're like, I don't get it. Like, what am I supposed to do? Because there's just no structure. So I find this to be a common theme in, in Australian companies is like they're so laid back that it can kind of be a hard adjustment if you're used to the structure. I also found it kind of hard to adjust as an American because of how laid back it is. Again, like I would be at the office on time, take my hour lunch break, leave on the dot at five. And then I started to like, just follow the trend of everybody else, like coming in a bit late and leaving a bit early. And I would start swimming in the mornings and coming in like maybe 30 minutes late. And it was just so weird. I I remember being like, someone's going to yell at me, I'm going to get in trouble. And everyone's like, good morning. And I'm like, it's almost 11. Like, how am I allowed to walk in the office like this? And so th- there's this weird guilt that came with like being an American and adjusting to that culture when you're so used to like hustle culture. Dating is hard. I talked about that because you'll constantly meet people and then you have to decide to split up or make it work. And those conversations are expedited, right? Like in America, you decide that stuff after like a year. In Australia, it's like you meet someone and in three weeks they're leaving. So you're like, hey, are we going to stay together or not? which is weird to say to someone that you've only met for three weeks. But like, that is the nature of dating abroad, especially where everybody in Australia is backpacking and constantly going on trips. It can be really hard to make a stable relationship work. I also find that that it can be hard with friendships because of the same thing. However, obviously, with friendships, it's a bit different because you can then travel together, where dating, sometimes traveling together, like makes it more serious. So then you're like, well, are we together? Are we not? Where friendships are a bit different. But I did find that hard, too. Like, I had a friend that just moved randomly. Then I had another girl whose visa was up. So I was like, it's actually kind of hard to make friends when everybody's just, like, leaving all the time. Or if they came from their farm work together that was a big thing. All these people meet on the farms. And if you can imagine you're on a farm for three months. So obviously you become best friends with the people that you work with and then they all leave together. So like I met this group of girls that they were all best friends from the farm, like literally had tattoos together. And so becoming, you know, part of their friend group was kind of hard at times because I was like, I don't have all these inside jokes. I didn't hang out with them. So I did find that a bit hard. It's very nomadic so come with less because you can just pick up and go a lot. Like even if you're not expecting to, I became very like grounded into Australia. Is that the word I'm looking for? I guess what I mean is like, I thought I was going to be traveling like every weekend. And then there was a period where I was like, I just want to settle and live in Bondi for like three months and not do anything. But then something would happen where I was like, mm, I don't like this roommate or wait, I want to go on that vacation or wait, I want to go to you know Bali with Marley or wait, I want to go to Byron for a month. And because of that, it was like silly to buy any home decor, right? Like in Bondi, I bought all this stuff for my flat. And then I ended up moving like two months later. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with like all this storage, this new bed cover, these new pillows, like, it's just silly when you're traveling that much. So my big learning lesson was like, stop buying things like that and come with less. I came with like three suitcases. And now I think I have like one, one big suitcase and one little one. And I came with like, two or three big ones and a little one and a duffel bag and a backpack. And I'm like, I don't have half that stuff anymore. So basically my rule for that is like, whatever you have divided by half, divided by half again, and divided by half one more time. I'm not kidding. Like that's how much stuff you really need. Sydney is huge. It's like a city, but the beaches are really nice. I think that was a, a thing I didn't really realize how much of a city it truly was. I loved Byron. Like I said, it's very old school. It's almost like going back to Woodstock days I think Karen's was very tropical, but it was not my vibe. I find Australians are very open about sex education and sex in general. Like, I I remember being in America just thinking, like, it wasn't really until I listened to the Call Her Daddy podcast that I realized like how crazy people were in bed. And in Australia it's like they talk about these things all the time. At the music agency I worked at, they would play like the public radio that was kind of like the NPR of Australia. I remember the hosts were talking about like where to get STD tested, condoms, like how to ask for certain things you desire in bed with your partner, and I remember being like, are they going to turn this off? Like we're listening at work. Oh my god, what are they doing? And everybody was like, do, 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 Just like chilling, working on their laptop. And I'm like, wow, yeah, they're just very open about sex and ses- sex education. Um, there's like free clinics that you can go get STD testing at. You can get birth control. They're just really, really open and supportive about sex ed and, and sex in general. At least that was my experience with it. I find out work, they think their way is best. So it can be hard to try new things. So for example, when I came from my corporate America job and I was like, Ooh, let's try this and this and this, they're like, no, 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 we're going to do it this way. So then I was like, very hard to try to do new things, even though they were like, Oh, go run with your job and have fun with it. It was still hard to convince everybody to do it. So that was just like, it's kind of a weird note that I wrote down. Um, your coworkers are always changing too, because everybody's a backpacker, right? So in America, same thing, you get used to becoming best friends with your coworkers. Like I'm still best friends with people from my last place at work in America in Australia, because everyone's backpacking, you're just moving left and right. So it's like, you could literally be working. And then all of a sudden your coworker's gone and you're like, where are they? And they're like, Oh, they went home or their visa was up or they moved up state. And you're like, okay, that's weird. Like I just worked with them for two months next to my desk and they're gone. Or like I work with them all the time at the gelato shop and now they're just like disappeared. It's so weird. Like there's no goodbye parties. There's no, like, I don't know. It's just very weird. It's like, (laughs) it's like constantly making new friends and then grieving their loss. It's so weird. I don't know how to describe it. If anybody's listening and knows how to articulate it better, let me know because it's, it's just a weird thing to under, to articulate also people work very weird jobs and very long hours and it's very normal. So remember how I said I had three jobs. That's actually like really normal because all these backpackers want to make money and it's expensive to like go drinking and do all these trips. So everybody works these like long, weird jobs and lots of hours. Like I'm telling you, my friends worked in furniture removal. My friend worked like cleaning someone's closets and organizing some girl worked at like some weird marketing job for, a, I don't even know what the product was, like two hours away. Just like really weird stuff because again, they just needed to make money and the minimum wage is good. So when you talk to somebody, I just find we would never talk about what we do or the hours we worked when in America, we love talking about that. Like we're like, oh, what do you do? Oh yeah. Me too. Or I worked this many hours. Yeah. My, my client, my contract, like We love to talk about that in America. In Australia, you would never ask somebody what they do and, like, how long they work because it's just almost assumed that you work a long job or a weird job. Like, my two other roommates were, like, construction site workers, and they worked, like, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m., weird days of the week. My other friend worked, like, three jobs. It's just weird. So it's just something that I notice in America It's not normal to work that many jobs at that many different hours and times, but it's so expected in Australia because you want to make money to travel and do all the fun things. Farm work is like expected. You're almost weird if you don't do it because you do get your second year. And again, Americans can do the hospitality or tourism. It's, it's very rare for an American to do farm work, but I remember going there being like, what the fuck farm work? Like you would never catch me dead even talking about it. And then all of a sudden you're hanging out with people and they're like, yeah, I got to go to the farm. Oh, this is my friend from the farm. Yep, these are my farm work girls. Yep, that's the guy from the farm. Back at the farm. And you're like, I've never heard the word farm as much as I did in Australia. And it's just so common. So I know if you're an American listening, you probably like dropped your headphones and are like, what the hell, like work on a farm? But again, in Australia, it's like the same thing if you're like, yeah, I picked up a part-time job at like the local cafe. It's the same thing with farm work. It's so expected because it's the easiest way to get your visa. Excuse me, the second year visa. I met a lot of people from the UK, Argentina, and Germany. Germany, I met towards the end. There were a lot of Germans I met towards the end, and now I'm dating a German. But at the very beginning, I would say my first like eight months was all British people. <laughs> like everybody was British. And then I met a lot of Argentinians and Germans on the West Coast. I also find it to be much healthier and active in Australia, and they really don't take life seriously. Like they don't, I don't feel like they ever. Feel like they have something to prove or they have a chip on their shoulder or they want to like tell you how much money they make or their title. Like it is so laid back. There's a lot of creative people and a lot of wellness industry people, which I loved. Like I just met so many artists and jewelry makers and entrepreneurs and women that had their own companies. And it was just really refreshing. Like I just know in America, I felt like everyone I knew had like a marketing job, worked in finance, secretary job or advertising. And here it was like, everyone's like, Oh, no, I like own a jewelry business. And I teach yoga and I do this. And also I do this. And I'm like, wow, I've like never heard of that. So I really love that. And obviously, I guess not obviously, but they're so healthy and active because they're like swimming outside, even swimming. I think I talked about this in one of my podcasts, everyone would do these morning dips. And I'm like, what are you doing swimming in the ocean before your corporate job? Like, don't you have to go to work now with salty wet hair? Like that's bizarre to me. And everybody would do it. Like if you wake up at 7am and went to Bondi beach, it would look like a normal Saturday at the beach. Like everybody is doing these morning dips. And I actually started to love them because it was like, yeah, why are we not connecting with nature before we start our day? So I love that aspect of it. Let's see what else food. Oh my gosh. Nothing. There's like no traditional Australian food, like literally nothing. Um, I think their biggest thing is like chicken schnitzel and surprisingly burgers, I remember going to Bondi beach and there were like 10 burger joints. I'm like, am I in America? Like, why is everything a burger joint? So that was interesting. Um, the word goon means uh, like white wine, like cheap, cheap white wine. And I know someone asked me about it in a question. Um, I didn't have it until like October and someone told me what it was and it's just like cheap white wine in a bag and everybody drinks it. Cause it's such a cheap way to get drunk and they call it goon. I think it's so funny. Um, what else paychecks you get weekly. That was really interesting because I'm used to getting paid biweekly in America. So to get a weekly check, it felt like, hell yeah. But then at the same time, I was like, it's kind of weird because then I'm like, ooh, I have money to spend. And it's like, wait, no, you have to pay rent because you pay rent weekly too. That's the other thing. Um, lots of part-time jobs. I talked about this even at major companies, which was very surprising to me to have these like massive companies have very small teams and have so many of them be part-time. It was just kind of odd. And I think that's it. I think ultimately, if you were to ask me if I wanted to go back 100%, and I would absolutely be living in Byron Bay. If there's a clone of Byron Bay, then let me know. But I loved Byron. I wish it wasn't so expensive because I would like buy a house there, but I would absolutely do that. Wow. Well, this podcast is almost at two and a half hours. So I feel like I need to wrap up. I'm like almost brain dead. So if you have any questions at all, please DM me at Chelsea You can write into the podcast, hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com, visit inmynonexpertopinion.com, or just slide in my DMs. I think I already said that. Like I said, y'all, I'm kind of losing my mind right now. I don't think I've ever recorded for this long straight back to back. So like I said, if I miss anything or if you have any questions, DM me. But otherwise, I think I gave you every single thing and every single detail I could about Australia. So with that, I will wrap up and I will see you all next week.